What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. My name is Adam Schubert, and as always, I'm joined by my friend, Lyndon Burton. Lyndon, how are you doing today? Man, look, I'm doing well, brother. Like, I'm doing really well, especially since this is a movie pod. Yo, this was an amazing week weekend for DC. This might have been the best weekend for DC in a long time. Hey, I mean, it was definitely um, it was a pretty interesting week overall for them. They had their a new trailer come out for a new movie. Oh, we yeah, had for Birds of Prey. We had Titans um, come out with another episode, a really important, crucial episode to the season, as a matter of fact. And um, and then, of course, the Joker movie that ended up going on without a hitch this weekend. Uh, all, knock on all, wood. Well, yeah, let me knock on wood as well. At least so far as we know. Nothing has happened, and I'm so thankful nothing has happened because I've been really like praying that that doesn't happen for any community, and it like that movie doesn't deserve that to happen either. Like nobody does, and so I'm with you on that. But yeah, man, I can't wait to talk all this stuff we have to talk about for DC, Birds of Prey, uh, Joker, and then Titans. Yo, yo, Nostrada. I couldn't tweet this because I didn't want to give it away to you because you hadn't watched it yet. But yo, Nostradamus in Black Swami strike again? Question mark? Because I gotta of. put that. Que- I gotta put that question mark there because like, yo, we'll get into it. Fire episode. That might be my favorite episode of the year so far. But yo, yeah. Before- and what was that that you were just tweeting with uh, the DC streaming is looking for content? Yo, that's another thing. The bingers might have to pitch a show. Like they're, they're looking for new content, but the thing is, it has to be non-narrative content, like a reality show, something like along those lines, like a oh, documentary yeah. style. And you so, can't necessarily use their. I, I don't know how much they want you to use their heroes. Like you so kind of have so to. So they so they want pitch it. Yeah. Some. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Hey. I'll yeah. Pitch it pretty. Them. Pretty much. I'll pitch yeah. Them, pitch it. And like, uh, get, let me get let, let me get on the DC. Let me get on the DC streaming service. Put me up against Sam Levine. Let's go. <laughs> Facts. Uh, sure, I take them all on. But uh, no man, we got we got to talk about that off air. But a lot of cool stuff happening in the world of uh, movies and TV. But I want to bring this up because I've because I've been watching at the radio station. Me and Josh were watching this old video of David Blaine and Harrison Ford. David Blaine doing some card trick and Harrison Ford tell, after seeing how crazy it was telling him to get the F out of his house. I started watching David Blaine on Netflix today. They had like one of his 2013 specials. My thing is, bro, why doesn't Netflix give David Blaine the bag and give him a, a special deal like they give these comedians? Because, bro, I would watch the David Blaine well, special Well, dude hasn't time. been relevant. What, is, what you mean he hasn't been relevant? When was the last time you heard anything about Dave Blaine? He took a break. He needed to after he froze himself in ice and stabbed himself with all those swords and did all that shit to his body. He had to take a break, but I'm sure if he wants it, I'm just saying Netflix needs to give him the bag. Like even like just go up to his house, be like, "Yo, David, all this money." Well, uh, <laughs> we, we, I mean, we that goes special. that goes into a whole different like thing about what is the future of media because like the fact of the matter that we have stand-up specials that we can get on streaming services is wild. Because that kind of, you know, defeats the purpose of going to see comedians in certain times. So, I mean, like, are we going to start getting Cirque du Soleil on Netflix? Are we going to start getting, you know, are we going to start getting, like, actual shows, magicians? I want magicians. I want magician specials. I don't necessarily know if I want to see Cirque du Soleil. But, you know what Netflix should do? 
they should start giving podcast deals. But that's for a whole nother conversation on a whole nother day. Now, I'm not trying to give them the bag, but you already <laughs> know how I feel about that. Well, yeah, we don't want to get too much into Netflix on DC's episode. So maybe Pretty we should uh, jump right into it, huh? Yeah, not a lot of Marvel news this week. Sorry, Marvel fans. But look, DC had a good week. I don't think there's any Marvel give... news. Yeah, exactly. We are, we are mentioning Tom Holland and the Russos. Yes, but we got to give DC their flowers because this was a good weekend. So, But Shuby, whenever you're ready, brother, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go ahead and start. So the first bit of news that we want to talk about with DC is one that I feel like we have conflicting views with. It's the Birds of Prey trailer. Uh, Lyndon, what were your first initial reactions to the trailer? You want my initial reactions or my reactions post-seeing it? Well, let's start with the initial reaction. Uh, Initially, I didn't like it at all. Like, I I didn't like it at all. I I thought that it it was a... And look, I said this when the posters came out. I tweeted this because I I knew it. They have to sell the movie by selling Harley Quinn. But when I saw the trailer, I thought we would see more of the birds of the actual birds of prey. But I'm guessing they hold, held it back. That just kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I first saw it. And then also, Ewan McGregor isn't in a black mask. He's he's playing black mask. This is the first time we're seeing him. He's not even in a black mask. All right, and I'm gonna say this with my second watching, I I, I get new feelings on it because it was a very interesting trailer a lot of the shots did look cool harley quinn's narrative and all that was pretty dope i enjoyed that i'm just i'm just questioning how much of the birds and prey matter like what what's the role of huntress what's the role of black canary because these are big characters for dc that were the first time we're seeing i also got inside scoop from daniel rpk i asked him this this question himself on his patreon y'all go follow daniel on patreon if y'all want some inside scoops but he said the black mask tentatively right now is a half black mask. And even that for me, like, I'm not digging that. Like, that shit is lame, bro. You think that had to do with Ewan wanting the FaceTime? Pro- See, you would think that, but I don't think Ewan's that type of actor. See, I don't like, think so either. That's my thing. Like, I think that's a, 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 a either a director a call or a studio call. That, that's one of them. And I, and I just don't like the choice. But I, I feel like s- it could have been a studio call being like, hey, if we're going to get you and McGregor, like, let's show his face, guys. Come on. We're going to show his face, yeah. But my thing is this. I definitely, from the second time viewing it, I'm more interested than I was in the first time viewing it. I still have my my hesitations, but I'm more, very more interested than when I first saw it. Because when I first saw it, I didn't give a damn about this fucking movie. Like, I was upset. Yeah. It started I mean, off DC was- week kind of sour for me. I mean. <laughs> And that was completely opposite for me because of the first time I saw the trailer, I was really into it. I mean, what, you know, I, I what, the lucky thing about that is that I don't see too much lore into that. I don't, I don't know too many things about Black Mass besides like what I've experienced, I think, in majority video games. But and, see, the funny uh, thing is, Black Mass, the way he was acting, I kind of, I kind of liked it. I liked you. That's, when that's you what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I, I, without thinking about too much of the lore incorporated with it, I saw the movie as, like, you know, for, you know, forget even that I had the DC attachment to it. I saw it as, like, an action movie, and I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting. Because, I mean, like, a lot of the scenes with Harley looked really cool, like, you know, with her fighting in the car, or, you she know. She broke that dude's leg, too. I broke didn't realize the dude's that leg. The first... Yeah, that was pretty tight. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of elements of this movie that are really interesting, and I've, I'm, of course, a big Batman animated series cartoon fan, so I've always been a part of Harley Quinn and felt that Harley Quinn was an essential piece to the universe. So I, I think that this is a an interesting story to tell. Margot Robbie really has put, invested a lot into the character, and I think that she's going to do a great job with it. I mean, she's oh, yeah, already I don't question someone... Margo. I mean, she's someone that takes such a careful approach to everything that she does. Like, I just have a... You know, Suicide Squad, I guess, would be considered her biggest stinker, but she wasn't the stinker of that movie. I feel like she no, takes she the approach like to the every part. movie to make sure that she has her hands on it, to make sure that it, it works out in her favor or make or her performance ends up shining. So I think that it's going to be pretty well put together when it's all said and done. So I'm excited about it. Hopefully you're right, man, because like, like, like I said, I have some hesitations, but like you said... I like some of the elements of it. Like, the way Ewan McGregor was doing things, I enjoyed. I want to see Victor Zaz, because he looked interesting in this trailer. Like, I want to see what he's up to. Harley gets her hyenas, which I think is a brilliant move uh, post-Joker. Like, honestly, why is this not a Gotham City Siren movie? Like, just out of curiosity. Like, if they're going this... Well, I think what the whole purpose was is that we have Margot Robbie. She's Harley Quinn. Let's introduce the idea of opening up this Gotham world by making it essentially a Harley Quinn movie. And, um, and then like, we can go from there, you know? Yeah, I think they are. They did say they're trying to set up Gotham city sirens versus birds of prey and Harley will be conflicted because both are her friends. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. Marvel Robbie does, does a good job. Uh, like I said, my, I, I got reservations, but I'll, I'm going to give it a shot. It's better than when I, when I first saw this trailer. Let me say that. So right now, I'm going to give you my DC weekend grade as we go through the DC things. As of now, DC is at a C-plus for me. Could have been a B-minus, but it's a C-plus. I'm being honest. You're going to give it a C-plus? As of right now, no, I'm just saying the weekend as of right now, Birds of Prey is getting like a C plus, B minus, but I'm going to give DC a C plus because I'm not blaming. Like I said, some of the stuff it's I feel It's a pretty low grade. I, it is, but some of the stuff that I feel like I dislike is not necessarily from the people in the movie. I feel like I'm like, there's no way that Black Mask thing wasn't a studio call unless it was a director call. Then I'm mad at the director, but either way. That that was that I, I don't think that's Ewan. Like I'm not blaming Ewan for that. I'm blaming either the studio or the director. And that really perturbs me because I like Roman Sianis as a character. It really perturbs me that we're about to get Diana uh Lance, Diana Lance for the first time on a movie screen and she doesn't seem relevant in the movie. That kind of perturbs me, but it's the trailer. Hopefully they're not showing me a lot of the movie. So but as of now, I just gotta tell you how I feel because it was at an F at one point. It's a C plus. B minus, but I'm saying the weekend at this point in the pod is at a C plus for me at least. Well, and I guess like we can reapproach this question when we talk about some of the later stuff, but I just don't see how how your your feelings on the other two things we have to talk about and this would put it at that grade. But whatever, we'll get. We'll but get, see, we'll get it's inter- it's so interesting because I know people are going to be like, well, Lyndon, what, what what how do you feel about Joker? But I think. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that fucking movie, man. We'll get to that, cause like, oh my gosh. But let's 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 keep it going, man. Let's, uh, talk All to right. me about Castle Rock, bro. Is it a new season, new trailer coming? What's up? Yeah, so 
I'm scrolling through Hulu the other day, and I'm think, and I see Castle Rock. I'm like, wait, Castle Rock has what new episodes or something? And I ended up clicking on the on play, and it was a trailer. What I didn't realize what they were going to do with Castle Rock was that there was going to be kind of like American Horror Story anthology style. So it is kind of the same world, and I think even the same events have taken place, but it's just different times with different crazy scenarios mm. where I, I don't remember too much of what was pulled in that, of what Stephen King books were pulled from that first season. But I know in this season, a big part of a big chunk of what is um, being used out of Stephen King's catalog is misery and mm. misery is a pre- prior movie in the 19, I think it came out in 1990 with Kathy Bates and um, you can tell through some of the dialogue, you can tell through um, some of the narrative, because what the uh, whole idea of misery was that there was this guy who is a mystery writer and he ends up like getting in an accident and some lady ends up, you know, helping him and nursing him back. And she's a crazy person. Uh, his number one fan, you know, mm, okay. so it's kind of. That's what it's based off of. Of course, it takes its own different elements from what it, from what they want to do with this second season. We do see Shawshank Prison was a big landmark in the last season. It remains a sh- landmark in this season, but they brought back the original Shawshank actor. Was it Tim Robbins? Oh, for real? Yeah. That's pretty dope. So I don't know necessarily if he's playing like a Shawshank character, but I know he's in the season, which is... Always interesting when there's a Shawshank reference. Well, if he's playing a Shawshank character, is he playing himself? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if like that's what they're going to try and do. But the main star of the season is Lizzie Kaplan. And I haven't seen Lizzie Kaplan do too much as, like, a, a lead on a TV series. I haven't really caught too many of the things that she's been in recently. So this I'm excited to see her. might be her big break. Yeah, well, I mean, I think she's had her big breaks. I think this is just a, a new... A new way to see her on um on the small screen here on hulu so excited for it word up i'm gonna have to check out season one because you kind of sold me on season two but the one thing that yeah, you did see, say season one uh has a lot of actors that i feel like you really admire yeah like andre uh, the, holland's in there andre holland bill snarsgaard Ooh, um, that's my guy and then you got to um you, you oh, what's the guy oh the chick's name uh I don't remember her name, but she is the mom of Joker in, in the Joker movie. Uh, oh, you're talking about, uh, hold on, I'm pulling up the, I got the cast list for you, bro. So we got Bill Skarsgård, Andre Holland, Sissy Speck, Spacek, That's Melanie, Melanie uh, Linsky, Jane Levy. Ooh, Scott Glenn's in it? Nice. Tim Robbins. Yeah. Oh, so Tim Robbins is in that, that old scene. Okay, they got some cool peeps in this. I might, definitely might give this a, a look. It's, it's a little scary. But it's more of like a thriller than it is like a horror. Okay, word, word. Well, good, good on these peeps. I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely give season one a look. See, but no, you did mention one name before we move on. Boro, Kathy B, Kathy Bates would be an amazing Granny Goodness. That's all I have to say. Like <laughs> Tom King and Ava DuVernay should definitely cast Kathy Bates as Granny Goodness. Like You're talking about clowning. a new gods. Yes, like one hundred percent. Keeping the DC theme going, like they need to cast Kathy Bates because she's the only woman I can see be pulling off Granny goodness to a high level. For sure, yeah, I'm definitely down to bring Kathy Bates into the DC universe. That'd be freaking amazing. 
Let's talk about Kingsman, man. That new trailer dropped. Yeah, I wanted high. to talk. I'm, I'm interested in our notes here, Kingsman in 1917, because they both cover the same war. Yeah, true. Um, but let's talk about Kingsman first. It debuted uh, in Monday Night Football, first commercial. It was kind of a surprise to me. I didn't know it was coming, and man, was I surprised. Did I we, not tell you it was coming? Because I don't know if you that... told me that it was coming in Monday Night Football, or maybe you did, and I just didn't remember because, like, I'm just watching football, and then I'm like, wait, the Kingsman trailer's coming? And, like, there's always been a lot of skeptics out there for the Kingsman after Golden Circle. Um, but I think this is going a lot... This looks a lot closer to what the first Kingsman was than Golden Com- or Circle. Yeah, no, this trailer, look, they're taking it back to when Kingsman was formed, or Kingsman's early days. I did sure, it. Yeah. L- less gadgets, more guns, more swordsmanship i really like D- uh demon hansu's character in this yeah as I, like i want to see what he's up to i want to see if ralph fines gets actiony like i want to like i want to see this kingsman movie i'm very very intrigued by this trailer this trailer did a good job on selling me to want to go back to the kingsman world no i completely agree i'm really i'm really in on this kingsman movie i think that it could be you know the elements that Matthew Vaughn uses in those Kings movies are so special. And I think, you know, even mixing this now with a World War One style element um, can make things a little bit more interesting. And, you know, I, I think this is all what I really did like about the Golden Circle was that it took us a little bit outside of the bubble of England you know, like it took us to America, it took yeah. us to Scotland, it took us here, it took us there. And like, I feel like this is kind of going to do the same thing where we're going to be doing the training in London and then we're going to go to France. And then we're going to do some Germany stuff. And, you know, but all under the guise of English. So it still keeps us in that kind sure. of Kingsman realms where we were meeting the statesman and the other one. And I, and, and I agree with you. I like that we got to see the statesman. Execution might have been a little off, but I'm definitely yes. interested to see how this Kingsman world looks in World War One times. Sure. But I mean, if we're talking about World War One. I, I think the movie that I'm more excited for out of these two is probably 1917 coming out on Christmas Day. For real? That's interesting. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm excited for that movie, but I don't know if I'm more excited for Kingsman. It definitely looked good. Let me say this. It looked very cinematic in the Joker movie, watching the trailer on the big screen, sure. not, not on YouTube like we normally do. So, and I think that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, no, I feel yeah. you on that. Like, it definitely looked very... Like, if I'm going to watch this movie, I definitely want to watch it in theaters. Like, it would be a shame to watch this at home, I feel. Yeah, and looking through information on the film, I've found... Uh, interview with director Sam Mendez and one of his collaborators, and they talked about how they wanted to make this movie appear as if it was taken in one continuous take. Uh, they wanted every step of that we take as film watchers to be taken as steps with the characters. We want to breathe every breath with them. We want to be trapped in the journey with them. That's kind of how they felt neat, this film needed to be, and you can see that a lot through the trailer, especially in that, uh, I'd say, iconic part of the trailer where the guy's running and it goes into the 1917 logo was a great shot. So, I mean, if, if there's more and more things like that, some of the shots I just thought were incredible. You know, you have Toman from game of Thrones is one of the main guys. I, I, I'm just really excited to see where this movie goes. It's probably going to be my Christmas day watch for sure. 
Ooh, that's your Christmas Day watch? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder what... That's when it comes out. Let me peep, see what else is coming up on Christmas Day. But that, no, I'm definitely going to give 1917 a look-see. For sure. But yeah, that's all I really have about 1974, 1917. So, you know, Wonder Woman comes out, and I said when Wonder Woman came out that this was my favorite World War One movie of all time. And now we got two that are going to try and take that spot. Yeah, man, you got two new movies coming to take that Wonder Woman spot. So it'll be interesting to see if any of them succeed. Uh, so going into the next bit of the notes, it wasn't a trailer, but it was a small little teaser of an announcement that Stranger Things 4 will return to Netflix. Are you excited? Yeah, I am excited. I think with the cliffhanger that they left in season three, you know, warrants us going into a, an exploration number four. I heard that they're going to do Stranger Things 5, which I'm not so keen about. I think this would have been a good chance to kind of end it, especially as you can tell that every year they get just too much older for them to keep doing this. Mm. So so I, I'll, I'm interested to see what they try and do with it. The main point of this teaser was that you're not in Hawkins anymore. So they're taking us out of Hawkins. They're taking us on, I'd say, a journey. I mean, we're... The cliffhanger brought us to another country, so, so some things might take place in a different country. Something, uh, and also at the end of the season, not everyone is living in the town anymore, so we could see different areas of the of the country. Okay, I don't know. There's, I think that they're gonna take this season and ramp it up a lot. You know, like every season's kind of been stuck in. The one setting, and now we're about to take it out of the box. Out of Hawkins. Word, word. Well, well, we'll get your take on Stranger Things Season 4 when that comes out. Yeah, it's a long way away. Next up, we got a Guy Ritchie trailer with Matthew McConaughey kind of in the snatch uh locks, uh, two locks and and a smoking barrel, kind of in that early Guy Ritchie I guess style with this kingpin Matthew McConaughey movie where you have Matthew McConaughey as the big weed dealer, Henry Golden's character and his gang's trying to come in and take Matthew McConaughey's empire. And then we see Matthew McConaughey's right man is, uh, it's Charlie Hunnam and everybody's like, and and we're trying to see if Charlie Hunnam has a backdoor deal with Henry Golden. Look, man, this trailer really interested me. And after Aladdin, I think Guy Ritchie did a good job with Aladdin in the constraints he was in and seeing him to make this movie post Aladdin. I'm actually, really interested in this movie yeah i mean guy Ritchie makes his own style of film and um it's just one of those things where for some people it doesn't work for for them but for me i personally enjoy a lot of guy Ritchie's films so i I'm, liked his king arthur movie with charlie hunnam i did i, I mean yeah it was I bad did, i didn't hate it i liked the man from uncle uh, i liked the sherlock me, me movies too. yeah I, oh, um, I definitely like the sherlock i like the sherlock movies a lot like yeah, exactly. So I mean, like he does good. He does good work. So I'm excited to see what he can do with the cast that he has in front of him. I mean, Charlie Hunnam, Matthew McConaughey, Colin Farrell, Henry Golding, Hugh Grant. You know, this is going to be a pretty, a pretty star-studded cast. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Love to see Henry Golding in this as like kind of the antagonist. I want to see how he does in the in that role. Look, interesting movie all around. Can't wait to see the gentleman. The next trailer is with is Richard Jewell. It's the actor. I don't know his name. He's from Paul Hauser. Paul Hauser 
from Black Klansman. He's getting a lead role in this, I believe, real story. The guy who looks like my friend Hunter Crapel, like, looks dead-ass like him. Like, every time I see him, I can't get that. That's not my friend. But it's uh, it's Paul Hauser and what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh Well, John Hamm's in it, Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Are you, ex- are you excited for this? Oh, yeah, Kathy Bates is in this. Are you excited for this movie? Um, I don't know if it's going to be something that I'm excited to see in the theater, but I think it's something that I personally would want to check out. I have watched the 30 for 30 about this topic. Uh, it's a really interesting story about a guy who wants so badly to be a hero and in this one heroic moment of life gets mixed in with being the, the, cr- the criminal. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of these cases of... When the when the government and the media think you're the, the killer, or you know, in this case, the the bomber, you're the bomber. You know, it's a hard way to to dig yourself out of it, especially when you come from you know lower class. And so this is mm. this is it. This I mean, this is guy who's a, a lower class security guard ends not up not as in not as educated because you can not get as that educated. And so this is, you know, an easy way to to have a scapegoat. And I think that the point of this movie is to kind of highlight the heroics that he actually did and the 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 mistakes that were made in his prosecution. Real well, I'm you kind of sold me on this movie. Like I'm, I'm now that I know a little bit about the story because I didn't know anything. Yeah, about and the I mean story. it's directed by Clint Eastwood. I mean this is another Clint Clint Eastwood flick, so. I mean, what, I think that's going to be a thirty big... called. Oh man, I gotta remember. Are, it's well, it's it's it not a, it's not a full it's not a full one. It's one of the shorts. Oh, so this this takes place around a sporting event. Yeah, the nineteen ninety six Olympic Games in Atlanta. Oh, all right. I'm a, I'm gonna definitely look that up to get more information. But now nah, I'm I'm actually I'm actually I might go see this in the well maybe not in theaters, but I'll definitely see it at some point because I'm interested. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a good movie. Uh, lots of great actors in it. Clint Eastwood, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be well done. It might actually be something that we might be talking about in February. Yeah, but, huh. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get to it. I got to save all my thoughts. But look, The Good Liar, that's a trailer out with uh, Helen Mirren and uh, Ian Mc, uh, McKellen. Oh my God. McKellen. McKellen, yeah. McKellen, uh, Magneto. So they're both like these liars and they're like, in a relationship for the wrong reasons and it's about how they're no man here's what it's about they're not they are in a relationship but he's a con man yeah they're both lying like she's lying too she's lying too yeah you didn't oh bro they're both lying it's like they both got a con going oh nice yeah so look Con, career con artist Roy Courtney can hardly believe his luck when he meets well-to-do widow Betty McLeelish online. As Betty opens up her life and home to him, Roy is surprised to find himself caring about her turning, which should be a cut-and-dry swindle into the most treacherous tightrope of his life. Because he tries to swindle her, she starts to figure him out, and like she's lying and doing some shady shit, too. That's what I got from the trailer. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Like, they're yeah. both doing crimes. Yeah, I mean, I think this is... You know, at first glance, you see Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen, and it's kind of like, you know, a romantic thing. But then you get the twist of, like, oh, this is a con. And so that was what really intrigued me with this. Um, I, it's one of those things where I, when I was growing up, I don't really remember a lot of movies with, like, two older actors really pushing 
you to go to the theater, but this is a, a different world now. And I mean, Helen Mirren and Ian McKellen are definitely names that are going to get people to the theaters. So I think it's yeah. going to be an interesting watch. Now, am I going to be watching it on November 15th when there's a lot of other great things coming out and we have Disney Plus already out? Probably I don't not. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, probably not. I don't know. We'll but watch this I de- at home. Yeah, and I definitely like, think it's going to be a good flick. If it's like if we watch it at home, we'll be like, "Damn, that's one of those movies. That's one of those gems." When we should only watch it in theaters. But if it's bad, then we'll just be like, "Ooh, save the buck!" Like, <laughs> like that's that's one of those movies. But that's all I really got on the Good Liar. For sure. The last thing I'll say is that it's directed by Bill Condon, and Bill Condon did Dream Girls, Chicago. He wrote Chicago. He um. He did some of the Twilight movies, but I mean that's not really anything to worry about. But hey, he's a guy who's had it, had some successes, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll we'll give it a look see when the time comes. All right. Well, the next trailer that we're going to talk about is the personal history of David Copperfield, starring Dev Patel. Mm, okay. Uh, and I haven't seen Dev Patel out in a while, so I was glad to see that he had a new movie coming out. And I don't really know. I guess it's going to be out in theaters. It seems to me like. It would be best serviced on a streaming service. Okay. Okay. Like I feel like this movie would do really well on an Amazon or a Netflix. It's a it's a comedy drama and it's based on the novel David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. So it's pretty much the retelling of Charles Dickens. It's starring Gwendolyn Christie, Tilda Swinton, uh, Dev Patel, as I mentioned, Hugh Laurie, Benedict Wong, Peter Capaldi. Capaldi, sorry. I mean, it's got a good cast. Uh, I just don't know where where you're going to see it right now. But go check out the trailer right now and see if you're interested in the personal history of David Copperfield. Oh, word, word. Well, uh, look, real quick, before we get to his dark materials and we get the take, I wanted to make some quick DC announcements because I forgot to put this in from New York Comic Con. Harley Quinn, the animated series, will debut November 29th. Stargirl is set to premiere in 2020. DC announced that they're developing a live-action Bizarro World anthology series that will feature characters like Ambush Bug and Space Cabbie. Basically, they're using this series to showcase all the different weird areas of the DC universe. I think that could be interesting. I'm not sure if it's live-action or if it's animated. If it's live-action, that's insane. If it's animated... That's still insane. So some very interesting moves by DC Universe moving forward. But just want to throw that out there. Schubert, if you have any thoughts on that, say it. But if not, what do you think about the Dark Materials final trailer? Yeah, I don't really have anything to say on any of the DC news. But for when it comes to his Dark Materials, super excited. Uh, I think, you know, your HBO series that you're the most hyped for is obviously Watchmen. For me, it's probably his Dark Materials. It really kind of fits that fantasy sort of vibe that I really get into. Like I did enjoy Carnival Row. I enjoyed the Golden Compass when it first came out. So I, I'm really all in on his dark materials. I'm hoping that Daphne Keen and company actually absolutely kill it. I was surprised in this trailer to see how many times Lynn Manuel Miranda was featured. I didn't mm. think that he was going to have such a prominent role, but it looks like he is and he doesn't seem to be doing a bad job. So, Okay, real. Well, I'm excited for this, too. Like like you said, I'm Watchmen coming on October 20th. We're inching more and more close to that date. But I am excited for this because this could fill that fantasy role for HBO. So can't wait to see his dark materials. Yeah. Um, well, one quick little note that I have until we go into some of our 
non-trailer news, uh, Travis Knight is going to come in to direct that Uncharted movie. Ooh, okay, cool. Good for Tom Holland. Good for Travis Knight. Travis Knight made that yeah. Bumblebee movie. Which so, is I'm great. Gonna, look, look, good for him. He needs that because if, if Uncharted sucks, he'll just be known as Spider-Man. So he needs some, he needs some hits <laughs> coming coming down his pipeline, old Tom Holland. You're talking about Tommy, Tom Holland? Tommy well, we got, H. We got another thing coming for Tom Holland later on. Yes, we do. Next up, we have Amazon is developing a one-hour crime drama that boasts our guy Michael B. Jordan and Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg are among its executive producers. Uh, yeah, all three of them, I think. All three of them. Okay, so I thought Michael was starring in it, but it's uh, he is an executive producer. Variety has learned exclusively that the streamer is currently working on the drama, the on the drama Middle West in the series. Two Chicago FBI agents get called to Gary, Indiana, as they investigate a murder and disappearance of two cops who were searching for an array of missing young men. God damn! I wish Michael B. Jordan was one of those cops because that's what we said we wanted to see him do—a gritty cop role. Either way, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Are are making hits, whether that's Preacher, whether that's The Boys, and Amazon has tapped them again to make something. I can only have high hopes for this and be excited for this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Michael B. Jordan is going to be one of those agents. I can only Okay, assume. cool. I hope so. Like, um, Michael B., you do that, bro. Yeah, I mean, Michael B. has definitely been in his bag with producing as well. He's produced that Netflix show that just came on this week, the one about the kid and superhero Dion. Um, oh, yeah. So he was a producer on that, but he also acted in it. So I think that we could be seeing him taking. I think if he's going to get into, you know, Rogan and Goldberg, then he's got to be starring in it as well. Yeah, that's my thing. He's got to be starring it, getting back in his wire bag, bro. Getting back to the wire, but not as like some small kid criminal, but as like the main dog. Like if he's doing a Seth Rogan and Evan Goldberg series for Amazon. He's not just producing it. He's got to be starring in it. At least I hope and, so. And, I mean, that's a big catch for them, too, to have Michael B. Jordan headlining an Amazon series. That's giant. Yeah, like, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm hyped for this. Like, that's why I hope it's he's starring in it with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg producing. As long as they get good writing, good, good directing, this show's going to be good. Yeah, I'm definitely into this. Uh, I'm glad it's a series, too. Yeah, same. An hour series, too. Like, ooh. That's gonna be fire, bro. I'm already hype. Yeah, I'm wondering how many episodes is gonna go. How many did the boys have? Was it eight or ten? I think the boys. I had... think it was eight. Uh, for some reason, I want to say ten. I don't. I don't know. It uh, might have had eight. I don't know. I'll, I'll check real quick. But uh, you lead us into the next topic while I check. Oh, okay. Well, I'll read this. The next bit of notes: Japanese American singer actress Masumi will make her big screen debut opposite Jonathan Reese Myers and. Yakuza Princess, which Ooh. has complete, completed filming in Brazil. The Japanese-styled thriller also stars... You're going to have to say some uh, some names uh, for me, Lyndon. Yeah, I got, all right, I'm back, I'm back. All right, so the Japanese... Suyoshi Ihara. Okay, yeah, Suyoshi Ihara and Kini Liu in Princess is an adaptation of the Brazilian graphic no- novel Samurai Shiro by Danilio Beruth in which a Japanese gang boss is killed, only his heiress is sent abroad. As a baby, 20 years later, she discovers her inheritance and vulnerability and unleashes a war against her pursuers. It's directed by Vincent Vincente uh, Amorium, a rising star in Latin America cinema. Look, this sounds tight. I wonder what Jonathan Reese Myers is going to be. Is he going to be the villain that, like, kidnapped the Yakuza princess? Like, what's up? But 
I like Japanese style thrillers because they're usually pretty good. I like watching foreign Japanese films. So if they stay true to that, I would be excited to see this. Yeah, I thought I put this in the notes because I thought it'd be something that would, you know, strike your interest. And I, it definitely you know, did. Yakuza Princess, as the name is in itself, is enough to get me into it. I mean, the Yakuza was probably one of my favorite parts of Archer. And knowing, mm. like, the backstory of the Yakuza and how much of a huge gang, like, this is Japan, Japan's, like, main gang. So I, I'm really One of the biggest gangs in the, in the world, man. The Yakuza, so, yeah. like, this fuses everything I love. Crime, Japanese culture. Like, this is my shit. So, like, I'm excited. And Jonathan Reese Myers. No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yo, shout out to Jonathan Reese if he wants to come on the pod, yo. I'm not going to hate on Jonathan Reese Myers. He, he did a good job in, uh, what was that movie? He's in some crime movie. I'm going to look that up. But the boys had uh, eight episodes. Oh, yeah, man. I'm not hating on, uh, on old Reese Myers, man. Yeah, I'd, I'm interested to see what he's doing. So. But yeah, that's all I have on that. Uh, the next story is the Tom Holland story that I've been teasing my way through. <laughs> Tom Holland and Sierra Bravo uh, will be leads in Cherry, the Russo brothers' next film project, which is an adaptation of Nico Walker's New York Times bestselling novel of the same name. The plot parallels the true life story of the author, a former army medic who returned from Iraq with extreme undiagnosed PTSD fell into an opioid addiction, and began robbing banks. The remaining Ooh, ensemble includes It star, Bill Snarsgaard, Jack Rayner, Forrest Goodluck, Jeff Wahlberg, Michael Gandolfini, and Kyle Harvey. Yo, this sounds sad, bro. Let me just be honest. Is Tom Holland about to be the dude that's addicted and former uh, army medic? Yo, I don't know if he could pull that off. <laughs> it's going to be a stretch. <laughs> I don't know if I'm buying. Please save me, Mr. Stark. <laughs> like to that, like I don't know, my G. But look, the Russo brothers. I'm not gonna hold it against them. They've made good movies. Now has to see if they can step out of the Marvel shadow. We'll see if this is good, man. But out of all the things that we've discussed so far, this might be the thing I'm least interested in. If if I could pitch it a little more, the Russo brothers are really excited to be a part of this project because it is it does actually take place in Cleveland. And they're natives of that area and know the story pretty well. So they're, they're really uh, excited about getting into this. I don't know if that sold me anymore, but that's good to know that they have, like, background in the thing. Like, when Matt, when, uh, um, what's my guy's name? Ben Affleck did the town. Like, he's a Boston guy, so he knew more about the incident, so it made the movie feel a little more real. So I'll give plus on that. But still, I don't know if I'm, I'm too, too hype on old Tommy Holland's next big outing. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's going to have to be something we see because yes, it does have a lot of elements of sadness, but then also the whole robbing banks thing does really oh, kind of some be interesting. So like, I feel like it is going to be like, like some sadness enveloped with like some really crazy action because you know being on op opioids and then robbing banks. Like I can't I can't imagine that he's very calm doing that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's got to be a pretty yeah. th pretty thrilling thing right there. Yeah, and I mean, with that. and I would and I wouldn't knock too hard about you know drug-induced uh sad or tone of movies because we just got out of one so yeah no i'm not not look i'm not knocking that i'm just saying i don't know if tommy holland can pull that off that's all i'm saying oh yeah i don't know we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll check that out but yo shout out to bill scars getting more movies I, that's my guy 
Uh, but the next thing that I have is Disney is in early development of a live action Inspector Gadget movie. Okay, better be better than that first straight to DVD nonsense we got with Matthew Broderick. They don't yeah. let them think they can pass that off again. Yeah, right. Uh, the Aladdin producers Dan Lin and Jonathan Elric are going to be uh, behind it, and they hired Mikey Day and Streeter Sedell. Um, both of them are Saturday Night Live writers. Mikey Day, you and I know from Wild and Out. I no, know him best. It's, it's funny that we said David Blaine in the beginning because yes, I don't know exactly. if anybody remembers Mikey Day's David Blaine Street Match. The greatest. <laughs> if you have, if you've never seen that YouTube video, you need to go watch David Blaine Street Magic One and Two. Yo, that is like some 2011 YouTube nonsense. <laughs> oh my God, it's David Blaine. Yo, that might be earlier than that. That might be 2010, like when me and Schubert were in the thralls this, of high school. This like. was like, er, this, no, this was even earlier than that, dude. This was like beginning Middle of school? YouTube. Oh, like, shit. this is like grainy video. From the 2009 bombs on him, 2008. Yo, this was For sure. like early YouTube. Like, this shit was fire. Because, though. like, because we were in high school, like, that was when Mikey Davis on Wild and Out. I mean, this was before he was on Wild and Out. Ooh, I don't know. You just might have called Wild and Out late in life. Like, he, but see, that's why that gives it more credit to why it could have been earlier. Ooh, you make a good point. All right, for sure. But look, Inspector Gadget, that's a, I always thought that that's a a property that would work very well as an animated series if taken the the right way. Obviously, we're getting Mike. Did you ever see the cartoon? I kind of like the cartoon. Like the yeah, I really enjoyed the cartoon. I, I mean, feel like I they're thought... gonna go with more comic approach, comedic approach, kind of like Definitely. the first one did. I just hope they don't make it cheesy like the Matthew Broderick one. But this seems this screams Disney Plus all over it. Sure. Yeah, I think this is definitely gonna be a Disney Plus series. So that's where I think that we could kind of get the cheesiness of it. And the fact, I mean, I don't know. Inspector Gadget does have some elements of being cheesy. So it's not like we're gonna come in with a dark tone Inspector Gadget movie. <laughs> you're right I mean, you're right his his thing is go go gadget like no, you know. you're right you're right uh, my bad i'm just uh, look man that tommy holland story got me low but i'm, I'm kind of excited <laughs> for this because I, I like inspector gadget oh yeah so inspector gadget coming coming back to disney we'll see in what capacity later all right, the next story and the final story we have for today is Derek Kolstad, the scribe behind the John Wick series, has found his next big project. Adapting the best-selling fantasy series A Darker Shade of Magic for Sony, the book is set in four parallel worlds with four parallel Londons ruled by different magical powers and monarchies. There's Grey London, where the people have been told that magic is a myth. Red London, where magic is embraced and thrives. White London, where magic is used by the rulers against its people. And uh, Black London, where magic has overpowered the people and corrupted the world beyond repair. Look, bro, let me say this. This could be fire, or this could be a big ball, a big ball sack of, like, jumbled up mess. Like, yo, he's going to have to, yeah, gray London, white London, yo, he's going to have to make this make sense, bro. Yeah, like, I'm already confused. Like, do the four parallel <laughs> Londons know of each other? Like, do the four parallel worlds know of each other? Are they, like, walking in and out of these worlds? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming Grey London, everything's off limits. They, they might sneak in there, if, if anything like that. Who knows, man? Derek Holstein should have made a Deathstroke series for DC Universe. <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that tells where my brain is. You should like. have. <laughs> Especially oh. with all the stuff that's going on with Deathstroke right now being some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, bro, I would love to see Deathstroke. 
Oh, Lynn's out here with these with these uh with these transitions, bro. You know what? You know that's exactly why I said that. But are you whatever, man? Derek Coulson, cool, good for him. We need to <laughs> we need to see a trailer. Like I'm I'm off this, bro. Let's get to the let's get to box office. All right. Uh, number five is it chapter two still holding strong at six and seven was uh Rambo and they, seven they was Judy Garland. Dropped. They will both be dropped this week. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Like they're all gonna be dropping. Um at Astra at number four, Abominable at number three, Hustlers at number two, Downton Abbey still holding strong. I didn't know people were going to that. So Yeah, me neither. But it had like didn't it have a big fan base from the T V show? Yeah. About- I, I just don't remember the TV show being relevant in the past two years. So I, but, you know, that's not our scene. That, that's not, not our crowd. Scene. Yeah, let's get to Movie on the Rise, because I, I do want to talk about It's Always Sunny, because I definitely enjoyed this episode more than last week. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. We saw, so, we saw it together. Yeah, we did. So we'll talk It's Always Sunny after Movie on the Rise. You Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Go ahead and go first, because you. I'm really interested in yours, especially after the tweet you tweeted out. Yeah, so, okay, so Tarnikowski, Kennedy's, Karn- I, I, can, I can't pronounce his first name, but I can pronounce his last name. Tarnikowski, the, the man behind Samurai Jack, the man behind the best Clone Wars adaptation, in my opinion. That's not, that's not, that's not shitting on the Filoni thing. It's not a bad thing. one. It's not a bad, like, that Tarnikowski thing looked amazing, and he made this new series for Adult Swim called Primal. By the time you guys hear this, I don't. I don't know if we'll put, yeah, we'll put it out tomorrow, whatever, we'll put it out on a Sunday. So Monday, when you guys, Monday, on Monday, October 7th, starts the seven-day uh, TV event. So Primal will be premiering an episode every day for seven days. But you can watch the first episode already now on adultswim.com, but it will be removed once day one of the premiere begins. So Which is on Monday. Get, which is on Monday. So you got, if by the time All you hear this, you got all weekend to uh, watch it. So, but I'm excited for this because it, it's. I don't know if they're gonna have too much voice acting in this. I feel like this is gonna be a lot of just Tarnikowski music choice with great animation. It takes place in primitive Earth. With Has any man. of this stuff ever had a lot of dialogue? True, Samurai Jack and uh, is the only thing that had a little bit of dialogue. And Clone Wars had very little for a Star Wars. Uh, yeah. Deal. So, but I'm excited for this. So. Tarnikowski Primal, you can check it out either today on adultswim.com or be watching the seven-day live event with me starting on Monday. Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that it's only a seven-day event. Yeah, only seven episodes, but hey, man, at least Tarnikowski's making stuff again because he was on a hiatus for a minute. Maybe this gets him back in the in the groove if if it does if this, well. If this is successful, maybe it gives him a, a gig with someone one of these streaming sites to develop a series. Look, Amazon, take a chance on him because I think if y'all give him the creative freedom, like that Adult Swim kind of gives him, I think it'll be y'all get a hit. Like, I really want to see Tarnikowski make more animated stuff, more mature animated action content because we don't get a lot of mature animated action content in America, at least. That's why I like anime so much because they give you mature animated content. They don't say that animation's just for children, and Tarnikowski is one of the, yeah. one of the creators in America who believe in that. That's the thing. That's that why I, I support was, his work so much. I mean, that that was the thing that I was uh, noticing the other day is I wanted to watch like a cartoon, but I didn't want to watch like a cartoon that had no depth. Yeah, you know? that's that's why. And I so love like anime. that's the positives about anime, and I also feel that way about some of our favorite superhero stuff. Is that sure? A lot of them are very on the surface level superhero, but. Some of them, you know, really get in depth on some of their storylines, especially you know, Young Justice, which, of course, 
Giants fan of, and even uh, the Batman animated series of old. Yeah, like that's that's my thing. Like animation can be taken serious, and you can do action animated stuff. And I guarantee you'll have an audience. People don't think there's an audience for it, and that's why I say animation fans, we got to get out and support Primal because Tarnikowski is one of the only dudes in America pushing that narrative. But with guys like Lashawn Thomas with Cannon Busters, the new uh, show on Netflix, Says Manus with Danny Trejo and a, and Mike Coulter and a whole bunch of great voice actors. That's another show we got to watch, Says Manus on Netflix. So Netflix keeps making these adult, well, these Amerimaze or these adult animations. And maybe Tarnikowski can get one at, at one of these streaming services because it would be dope to see him like make a full show multiple seasons and give him that free creative range because he's a great animator a great artist as well so i'm, I'm yeah down. i mean yeah I, I think netflix would be the perfect place for it because you mentioned a lot of those names like cannon busters and you know castlevania and yeah. and all of that i feel like it would be the perfect place for it um but you know my, my movie on the rise is also an animated netflix feature and it's big mouth season three it came out on uh, October 4th. All right, so, let's go. Hey. New Big Mouth. That's what's up. Yeah. Uh, I can't, oh, man. I'm, now, now I'm blanking on some of the stuff that they're touching on in this season. But, oh, the one thing I remember is that they're going to do the, the hot list. You know, when you were a kid, and, uh, mm. the, the boys would be like, ooh, all the girls that are hot put it on the list. Or all the girls make a boys hot list and all the all the little ugly boys like myself are like worried if we're gonna make the hot list. But hey, these girls out here don't know about butterflies. We might have been caterpillars in middle school, but we turned to butterflies, my my G's out there in the streets, my kings. <laughs> 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 my fellow kings. Like we out here. These hoes well, never mind. Let me not even <laughs> This is bros who bitch. <laughs> Let me chill. Cause I was about to give him my bag, yo. Like I gotta cut that out. But I'm excited, dude. <laughs> season three. Dude, I know you wanna get in your bag, so let's get in our bag about DC. Oh, we're not talking it's always sunny real quick? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, let's talk about always sunny. They they um rebooted Thundergun. The- yeah, they rebooted Thunder Gun. They keep their long-running jokes running with another Thunder Gun, and uh, I thought it went really well. It took, way, took a lot of the elements the of... Uh, I mean, I still like the first episode, but I definitely think this one was way funnier. Yeah, no, me too. Like, that's my thing. Like, they took that idea where last year they did Time's Up, and they do they do this every year with multiple... <laughs> uh, like, multiple, uh, like, conversations. They took, basically, reboots and... Like, movie Hollywood culture about... PC. Yeah, about PC culture. Like, it just was a very good spoof on PC culture and Hollywood culture today in America with reboots and rehashing and just the way we try to censor some things and the way we changed up the movie style from, like, the 80s and 90s, per se, to now in terms of masculinity. I thought they did a very good commentary on all of that. Like, from Sweet D to... Like, I thought everyone shined in this episode. Yeah, because in the first I, one, I don't think everyone shined. I agree with that, and I think you know some of these ensemble episodes on location always end up being really great for them. Like the Times Up thing, where you know they're all in that hotel room, the hotel space, they're all doing the same thing, and that's the kind of thing I like. You know, here they're all doing the focus group, and that's, it's just kind of one, kind of it's my kind fave. Of, yeah, it's like one of those things where you think of is like, what if the gang was doing this? You know, what if the gang was doing that? Like. And you know what makes it successful? Because the same thing with that Time's Up. It's those people who are the main 
side characters. If their reactions aren't on point, then it doesn't work. And this lady was perfect. Like she, she got so fed up with Charlie. Charlie was like, "Bro, I just don't know what the fuck is going on." And she was like, "Can you not follow the plot?" And like oh, that was, it was amazing. Like oh man, like that was that was such a good episode. Yeah, I'm gonna have to rewatch that. That was that was really funny. All right, let's let's jump into it. But we just got to keep our It's Always Sunny bag going because we did South Park and we're not doing South Park this year. So I got to keep the It's Always Sunny thing popping off. But South Park was also very funny this week. But let's get into the DC bag. Where are we going first? We going Joker first or we going Titans first? Well, let's stick with doing Titans first so that we can do the the this week's movie as the main review. All right, all right, all right. So uh, let me, I got it pulled up. Episode five. Deathstroke. Yo, let me first say I will no longer tolerate any Starfire slander. And I apologize to Miss Coriander, uh, aka Starfire, for me being so judgmental of you in season one. I blame the writing, my dear, because now you're doing pretty well for yourself out here in these streets. Well, it's like one of these things where people are like, oh, they kind of retcon Starfire. I'm like, well, so it's better now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I dig it. Like I love Starfire. That's my girl, bro. But let me read the synopsis for this episode. With the team in upheaval, the Titans do everything in their power to save Jason's life. But when Deathstroke demands they turn over Rose, the dilemma threatens to tear the team apart. So we see the episode start 22 minutes after Jason's abduction. We see Gar and Raven freaking out. Like we see Deathstroke together with Dr. Light and Jason and Jason's pulling that old classic Jason Todd mouthing off antagonizing Dr. Light gets Dr. Light to come over I thought this was very Batman-esque of Jason to antagonize the weaker one of the two and get him beat his ass and break free he dislocated his wrist broke out of his, his collars but as he ran up Terminator looked at him like bro where you going my, this sword pointed in your face you can you can be that scrub Dr. Light but you're not about to do shit to me, my G. Sit your ass back down before I make your ass sit back down. And that's that, that, that set the episode off with a high precedent. That was like, oh, shit, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, Deathstroke is not playing around here. No, he's not. Like, I texted you. I was halfway through the episode, and I'm like, I'm so emotional. And this episode hasn't even ended yet. Yeah, I mean, it was... Every front was really important. Like, we had the Jason Deathstroke. Deathstroke, Dr. Light stuff, and that was, man, that was all of that was wild. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you mentioned Gar and Raven just a minute ago, and that scene was pretty pivotal. Gar walking into our bedroom, seeing the dark cloud of razor blades, as he said, um, over her as she sleeps. We start to learn a little bit more about Raven's power in this episode. Gar, so, Gar damn near slits his wrist touching that shit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but Gar Garfield, feeling's the mode, bro. He's feeling the mode. He's definitely feeling the mode. He's also the least valuable character out of everyone. <laughs> like it's just it's so absurd, like how bad this guy's getting treated as a character. Yeah. I swear I don't give a shit about Beast Boy. <laughs> no. His you know, Tiger Boy, pretty much. Give me Aqualad. Like Aqualad was more compelling than <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Well, they're just not doing anything with poor Beast Boy, dude. It's just so sad. Hopefully, like the, when, hopefully when the, Connor comes around. The one scene he got was he just sat as a tiger in front of Rose. <laughs> Trash. But, 
but nah, he got in a big argument with uh, Rachel. He was like, yo, she was like, I'm upset that you didn't, you, you didn't have to tell Dick. That's fine. But I'm upset that you didn't tell me. And he was like, why would I tell you? You can't control your powers. And that really set her off. And she was like, well, you're just tiger boy. And that's why you got caught up. You couldn't done anything in the first place. Anyway, she told him off, and he was like, screw you, Raven. And Raven was like, ah, and he, he was like, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fucking beast boy, you chump. <laughs> Yeah, and then what? Bros called him out for like be, being uh having the hots for Rachel or whatever. Yeah, he's one, like, I just want to Yeah, this is one of those things with Beast Boy, man. I just don't like any of the dynamics they're giving him. Yeah, I don't um, like any of them right now, man. Hopefully, him and Connor have a good relationship because him and everybody else, I'm not really digging their vibes. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he might have worked better that on... him and Rachel are working together well, but then it's just sometimes they're just like a. You want me to? Pu- Pitch something to you about Beast Boy. Knowing that Cyborg is in the Doom Patrol, Beast Boy might have worked better there. Maybe so. Like as the, he already has the Doom Patrol ties too. That's my thing. He might have worked better staying there and then bringing him over with Cyborg when they brought him. Because right now there's too much story around Raven, Starfire, Robin, Hawk and Dove, Donna, and, and then now Connor. He's getting the short end of the stick. For sure. Um, yeah, man, it just, I, it really kind of sucks about that, but I'm not too upset about it because of, like we were talking about earlier, all the fronts of this episode are really well. That's like my only negative for the episode. Well managed and, yeah, I mean, I'd say that's the the biggest negative as well. Lots of positives. Um. Let's get I'm to, to I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think about which parts to you gotta, dive into. You got to start off with Destro because he sets it off. Deathstroke finds out. Uh, well, Beast Boy tells uh, Nightwing or Dick because he's not Nightwing yet. Tells him what, what everything that went on. Dick starts like, "We got to find his tracker." And, and Beast Boy's like, "They're underground, so you got to figure a different way to find the tracker. It, it won't be easy to find." Dick has an idea, so that switches over to Deathstroke and Robin. Uh, Robin 2.0. Doctor Light's getting pissed. He's like, "Bro, we we waited four months for this, and you're not doing shit. Like, stop sitting like a statue. Stop being all." Uh, like nonchalant, stop being chill. But what he doesn't realize is Deathstroke has them exactly where he wants them. Exactly, Deathstroke yeah. knows, like, Deathstroke is not sitting there just twiddling his thumbs. No, Deathstroke is sitting there calm and calculated. You're the one that's fucked, Dr. Light. And then Doc Jason says something about a tracker. And then, Doctor, oh no, because they see it on camera that these guys are walking through the tunnels looking for Jason. And Dr. Light, oh, he's got a tracker. I'm going to go take him out myself. Like, fuck you, Slade. You don't know what you're doing. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you're lame. And, like, thank you for letting me out. But we're going our separate ways. And Slade's like, do what you got to do, bro. And then he, he searches for Jason's tracker. He finds it. We, we, we don't see him cut it out. But he cuts it out. And then Dr. Light's getting in the truck. We're thinking Dr. Light's about to go battle the team. And then all of a sudden... Bang, bang, shot to the head. Deathstroke took his ass out. Like, yeah, like, surprised Whoa. me. I like, was like, whoa. I was like, damn, Dr. Light, light, uh, light, light work in the season, bro. You didn't do too much. <laughs> yeah. And he, he just, just got talking. charged up. We were like, yeah. okay, well, here comes the battle. <laughs> and then, just dead, bro. That showed more of the ruthlessness of Slade. Like, Slade is using everything that, everything that's happened so far I believe is to Slade's planning. He's an equal to Batman when it comes to mastermind and planning and being a strategist. And I think this is all going according to his plan. Maybe Rose was a little hiccup, but he diverted and got it back on course. He's 
he sends Dr. Light with a, a cell phone to where the Titans can find him with a he Dick gets on the call and Deathstroke's like, look, if you want Jason back, we got to trade Rose. Here's the coordinates. Meet me here at 3 a.m. at night. If not, he, he going, he, he dead. And it was like, yeah. how are you going to prove that he's real? And he basically hits him so he can hear him scream. And then Hawk's like, stay in there, kid. Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Hank, bro. Hank, this episode had me. Had me. I'm not Hank's like, Hank, do Hank. that to me, you coward. <laughs> Hank, Hank had me a little emotional at times. At times, Hank had me like, bro, you just being a meathead. And then other times, I'm like, whoa, look at Hank. So this was the start of Hank's BS. They get back to the thing, and then... Yeah, then they're having the argument, uh, yeah, because they, now they're in this huge dilemma whether they give Rose over or what they what do they do? Do they uh, approach Donna the was interesting. I think Donna was interesting in this, in this argument because Dawn was the one that was like, yo, we can't give this kid up. Y'all are crazy. And Donna was like, she is Deathstroke's kid. We've been down this before. Like, I know Which we Hank still haven't it. explored yet. I know Hank kind of said it. Like, I know Hank said that we should give him up, but the fact that Donna was so kind of reserved, you can see the pain of Aqualad on her face. Like, I thought that was brilliant, making Donna be the one that was like, kind of the one that was really, I, I would say she was the one that was the most serious about giving her up, because Hank's a softie. Hank's all talk. Hank was just gonna be like, yeah, we're gonna give her up, and then when he saw her, he would've had a hard time giving her up. But I think Donna would actually went through with it. Out of Maybe all so. Them. Maybe so, Yeah. Uh, but they their decision doesn't matter because Rose ends up going on the run after overhearing it, which comes to one of my probably favorite scenes of the of the of the episode. I wouldn't say my favorite because that gets later on. You got to talk about Hank getting his ass whooped first. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, Hank gets his ass whooped by by Rose. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And he, when he came up, I was like, "Bruh, Hank, don't do it, dog. Like you're just mad. Like you're just still a human at the end of the day." Like, leave that girl alone. Hey, yeah, like, when, she, when he was like, don't let me get aggressive or whatever, and Rose kind of just laughed that off. I was like, oh, she ain't worried about you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I laughed with her. I was like, Hank's done for. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, and then after he gets her in the headlock or whatever, he's the one who gets scolded at. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why didn't you tell Dawn that she kind of kicked your ass? <laughs> yeah. So she Trying breaks free. Talk about your scene, bro, because this was your fi- one of your favorite scenes. Yeah, we get to Rachel kind of guarding the door, and Rose and Rachel have kind of really established a relationship where Rose is like, Rachel, I don't really want to fight with you. Like, let's not do this. And Rachel's like, no, I'm not letting you go. And um, and then I, I she guess She kind of knows what it's like to have a bad dad. Like, to have... Oh, for sure. To, like, have a dad that's threatening the whole team, like, the people that are out there looking for. And I know Ra- Rose doesn't have the best of relationship with these guys, but if anybody can relate, it's Rachel. Well, yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, Rachel wanted her to be a part of the group because at, she felt that the group was what saved her. Yeah. So I think it's a lot similar to that, but she doesn't end up saving Rose. She ends up murdering the shit out of her, pretty much murdering Killing her. Killing her. Yeah, she pretty much yeah. murdered her. But, uh, but what I will Raven say was- is that with when she does go into her Raven stuff or whatever, we've never really seen like the outward appearance of anything in any of the other, other iterations of Raven. But what I really liked about this is that they were Raven's wings, you know? Yeah, they made her have wings. Yeah, I thought that was pretty dope. I'm just waiting for that. Uh, 
uh, Azeroth, Metrium, Zenthos, girl. You gotta, you gotta control your shit because you're just killing people out here in these streets. And then yeah, she, that was a crazy she, scene. Like broke almost every, well, all of, um, pretty much all the bones. Right when body. I heard, right when I heard the snap, I was like, oh god. And I then it was Rachel, just one snap though. No, I that was a bit. That was a pretty loud crack. So she she ends up snapping every bone in her body. Rachel runs off. Starfire goes chase her. Oh yeah, because Starfire's here at this point, and everybody's like, yes, glad we have Starfire. Because Starfire. I know we didn't touch on her before the big moment, but Starfire is the mother of this group. Like, I know there's Donna, I know there's there's Dawn, but Donna and Dawn are kind of like the two ants. Whereas, like, they love these team, but they, like they still have sins of the past affecting them, and they like Dawn's more concerned about Hank's well being, and then like Donna's concerned with like her own well being because of of Aqualad. Whereas Starfire really gives them a neutral perspective and a very good voice. I like the role of the mother. For uh, Starfire, I really do. Yeah, I think this is definitely, again, a new take on the Starfire character that we've grown to love. But this is, you know, the more you know what it—it's like mature uh, Starfire. It's like Starfire from the uh, and these these animated movies aren't that great, but some of the characterizations in them are the the justice the Justice League versus Teen Titans or Teen Titans Judas Contract, like the the DC animated universe, like the connected movie universe that's with Batman Bad Blood. Like they have a Starfire in there who's older, like the mother role, and they even show her and Dick having sex in in one of those movies. But yeah, so that that's the type of Starfire we're getting in this, and I really like that. Rose ends up pulling straight Wolverine, straight Exorcist as her bone. Like she starts snapping them back. Dawn's like, "Oh God, she's alive!" And she starts pulling a straight up Exorcist, moving all her bones back into place. And then they end up putting her in a bed. And Dick's like, "I got a plan. Don't you guys worry. We're gonna we're gonna handle this once and for all." And Gar's left guarding her. The plan is that they're gonna uh, catch. I, I didn't really understand the plan. Like I don't know. See, how that, they... that, see and this is where I'll, I'll pipe in when they were doing this plan or whatever. I was like, this doesn't sound, like, really good. And then, like, a lot of the dialogue in those scenes leading up to that, very cheesy. Uh, some of the the filming was very cheesy, like, with walk-up of Don and being like, I'm ready. And, like, stuff yeah. like that. And I'm just like, I'm like, what are we about to do here? Like, this is, like, the end of the episode. And then we get to Dick Grayson in the elevator. And they're like, Dick, you, you, you in? And then he throws his earpiece on the ground and stomps. And I was like, let's... Go. Wait, wait I knew go. that was I knew that was happening when he told Starfire bye. When he was like, Oh yeah, you lead the team. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is he about to just turn himself in? Like and, and I'm glad uh, at least for all that cheesy writing that happened before the, this moment, at least Starfire made up for it when she walked in and the next couple of scenes when she was like, You told me bye. I knew what the fuck you were about to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I was like, I was like I was like, thank uh, you, Starfire. You're not I was a dummy. Like, what was the, what was the payoff of that conversation? And then when she comes in, she was like, "What do you think you're going to compliment me on my hair?" And I'm like, "Uh, I, I dug that. I dug that so much." But let's get to that point because Dick, like he, like you said, he throws the earpiece down. And he's like, "All right, let's go." But still, in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Bro, you are Dick Grayson. You're about to go face. You about to. You're either going to die or somebody about to have to save your ass because you're not ready to beat Deathstroke like you are right now." So he goes in tells Deathstroke, look, I know you want a pound of flesh. This will be equal. I'm going to trade myself for Jason. You can let Rose go and let Rose make a decision on which she wants to do with you. That's not up to me. I'm not going to I'm not going to put that on me and don't put that on Jason. Those two have nothing to do with this. You know what this is about. And he's like, here. He takes off his Kevlar vest, puts it on the ground. Deathstroke shoots two bullets on the ground. He's like, 
nah, bro, you're a con man. You're a charlatan. You don't know what the hell going on. Like, I, I, I'm calling the shots. You don't get to just be a martyr. You're not a martyr, you clown. You're a clown. And, yo, I love the stroke telling dick this. Like, nah, bitch, you don't get to set, set the terms. I'm the one with the pistol. You don't have the pistol. That's real, though. I mean, like, what? <laughs> That Deathstroke ain't no fool. I mean, yeah, like, I, I didn't buy. I didn't buy that when Dick was like, "Oh yeah, I'm totally giving up." I'm like, "You're not giving up, homie." But I mean, maybe he was. But like, he, I think he seriously was. I think he seriously I, was. Yeah, I think he seriously was. But I was like, "Oh yeah, Batman training. This dude's not giving up." And honestly, when we get to our speculations, that fact right there might be the like that might have been Dick's lowest point. So now he can go up, like, or or he's about like he's experiencing his lowest point. But we'll get to all that. And I and we'll talk about that because we talked a little bit about that off air. But yeah, he's about to give himself up, and then Deathstroke's like, "Nah, dog, I'm about to kill this dude, and then you can give yourself up. Like, I'm gonna make you feel this hurt, and then you can do whatever you want after I kill him." He's about to press the button, and then boom, Starfire walks in, shoots him with a blast. My girl, she's like, she says that line that we said, and then her and Dick start fighting Deathstroke, which I thought was one of the most badass scenes in in almost any superhero show because the way Corey was absorbing the gun bullets with her. Starfire powers and Dick was using the Kevlar vest as a sh- yo shoot I thought that was badass as hell like the Dick Kevlar vest stuff I was like nah dog they really pulling this off right now that shit is ill I mean that's the thing with um with this scene it was shot so well like the the action sequences you know this, mixing Starfire's powers with well I mean Deathstroke is one of the best on screen villains TV that I've seen in DC since the last Deathstroke and uh, Arrow. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, and he's better like, than him. No offense He's way better than him, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, no, that, that was amazing. The, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they're just doing Deathstroke so well here. He's menacing. He's evil. He really uh, feels like a mixture of the Terminator and Darth Vader. Like, you just... Yeah. Every time his presence is like, it's... It's menacing. He feels like... You remember when the Teen Titans, before they introduced Slade and they kind of made him all wonky? Like... When when he first when Slade first appeared in the Teen Titans the animated show he was menacing he was like that dark figure that they couldn't overcome and I don't know how they beat this dude like that's how this guy feels like he feels like yo y'all aren't gonna mess with me I'm the baddest dude on the planet and y- and y- y'all are just some kids like y'all are, y'all don't understand what evil is yeah I mean I, what I really want to know is the Jericho stuff. Yeah, and I guess that kind of goes into speculation. We won't get into that yet because we, we haven't really talked about Jason. He's on a ledge at this point. Yeah, what so we're the, talking about the fight still continues, and Co- Co- uh, Corey tells Dick to go save Jason. Corey and Deathstroke fight a little bit, and I like how Deathstroke. He's like Batman. He has a plan, but he didn't have a plan for Starfire, so he's throwing all his like I'm guessing Donna Troy bombs and and his extra bombs at Starfire, trying to find one that works one blaster into the build and like to like some scaffolding and uh he picks up his knife he picks up his sword about to kill her and then dick pulls up with the the robin staff some may say that the the uh nightwing staff but that's the robin staff yeah also robin staff nightwing batons all of this insinuates the death of the old dick grayson we will get to more of that later but he's fighting him with the robin staff he can't beat him with the robin staff and he gets his ass whooped and then deathstroke is like later niggas bam and he i i didn't really know if he was still in the room when he when he did the explosion but i remember that was the what the flashbang was for he throws a flashbang they can't see him and then he presses the button and then uh 
the scaffolding breaks. Jason's about to fall. Dick grabs his hand. They're holding hands. Dick's like, don't let go. And I'm like, why isn't Starfire coming help this dude lift him up? But that makes me think Deathstroke's still in the room. Like I said, I didn't understand why she didn't go help him, but whatever. Jason's like, I can't hold on. I, I can't make it. He, so Jason starts to fall into episode. And that's how the episode ends with Jason Good falling. We don't, we don't know if anybody saves him or not. Import, important pan the Starfire as he's falling. My thing is, do you think Jason dies? Let's start, let's start off because that's why I said Nostra Shubmas, Black Swami question mark. Do you think he dies next episode? Yeah. Ooh, you do. See, when we talked earlier, you said, I don't know. See, and that's part of that conversation that we had is I feel like, you know, you're going to come at with the angle that he lives. I want to, I think that there's still a possibility that this is where he bites the dust. We still need to see the, we need to see Nightwing before the end of the season. Yeah. So we need to start getting that ball rolling. And, and honestly, you know, you know what you, to them. Yeah, I mean, what you mentioned to me about, you know, this is just another case of Dick not being able to catch the people that he cares about. Um, I think that that's going to play into a big factor for him, you know, and I think that losing Jason that way would would definitely be huge. The one reason that I feel like it's a little bit iffy is that the death would be really weird because we're trying to set up Red Hood. And if it's a not mysterious death, like if we're going to see this dude splat on the ground, like there's no way Red Hood's coming. You could still throw him in a Lazarus pit. Like, they could uh, always yeah. You could always throw him in a Lazarus pit. But I think Jason's death to Batman, and this is why I told you this off air. Jason's death to Batman, and I'm expounding on that point. His death to Batman meant he died by the hands of the Joker and Batman not being there in time to save him. Batman not being in time to save his parents. Bat, like, all of this, it, the, the death of Jason Todd ties seamlessly through Batman's problems through the death of his parents and through his arch enemy Joker, it would make sense. And I love the writing. If they kill him off, because in my heart of hearts, I believe they kill him off. I'm going to present an idea if they don't, because I thought like, like we said off here in his heart of hearts, this is great writing because Dick couldn't save his family when they fell and that broke him. And he was reborn as Robin. Dick couldn't save Jason Todd as he was falling. His greatest mistake and he's reborn into Nightwing. It makes so much sense storytelling and a writing-wise. And this is the best way to kill off Jason Todd in the sense of you relate it to the person that it's supposed to affect. The Joker wouldn't affect Dick. This affects Dick by his greatest nemesis and doing something to him that really haunts him because he couldn't catch his family. He couldn't catch, J he couldn't catch Jason. I really think he will die. But if someone were to save him, I'm thinking we might see Starfire fly for the first time. We might see... Connor Kent come in and save him because we're seeing Connor as the graphic for episode six. Episode six is also titled Connor. So if anyone were to save him, it'd be those two. My third. Yeah, my, my thing with the Connor Kent thing is going back to that graphic. It's him like getting caught by like some kind of governmental government police, and uh, he's like eating waffles. So I just Drink can't imagine him. Oh, is it whiskey? I thought it was maple syrup. So that's why I said waffles. But uh -huh. yeah, so. I mean, my eyes are, are going bad. I need to get some glasses or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I don't think he's going to be any in, involved in any of this immediate stuff so, going into the next episode. That's uh, a, but I, that's a I do think it's, by me. 
Yeah, but I do think it's possible that we see Starfire fly because, I mean, that's the one thing we haven't seen her do and we need to establish in this universe if that's something that she can or can't do. Yeah, true. And she did, and, and the only reason why I say Starfire flying because earlier in the episode she talked about when she was telling Rachel about how she had unbridled power not, n- that not many other Tamarins possessed that she couldn't control, and I'm guessing now she has control of it, so is the unbridled power meaning she can fly? Let's, let's see what's up with, with Starfire. But if not, this would be an amazing way to kill Jason Todd. I think it's very intricate. I think it affects Dick Grayson, and I think it pushes him to Nightwing. Jericho, I don't is Jericho alive? Like, the more and more this show keeps going, I think Jericho's toast. But I still am holding out hope he's in Cadmus. Yeah, I mean, I just wish they would tell us. Like, this has been the most dragged out backstory thing ever. Like, just tell us what happened with him. Like, especially after in the episode prior, that was how we ended it. Was the idea of, oh, they did something with Jericho. Well, what did they do with Jericho? Like, but what see, was think- so terribly bad that was done to Jericho? I think we are like, in terms of Aqualad, we had to know before Garth and Rachel. I mean, Gar and Rachel. I think we find out the Jericho stuff when Gar and Rachel find out the Jericho stuff. Well, that's what I'm guessing at this point. Because it's like, there's no reason why they didn't tell us yet, and it must affect the story when they find out. So that's probably when we're going to find out. Well, yeah, I mean, mean, especially if Jason dies, they're going to have to be like, well, what was this all about? Yeah, and they're going to have to explain it, and that's a perfect way to explain it because let's say a a very critical line by Dawn in this episode, she told told Dick if he doesn't stop, she's going to burn that place down. And I was just thinking... (laughs) And he he had no intention on stopping. (laughs) And he didn't even... Because after that, he goes ask Corey to run it. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, we should, like, run this. (laughs) Dick... Dick thought the same way I thought, like, bitch, what you about to burn down? I'll whoop your ass. It's not like my alien bitch to whoop your ass. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, what are you talking about, Don? Like, wh- you and what army? You and Hank? <laughs> <laughs> you and Hank. <laughs> That's hilarious. I didn't even think of bitch ass Hank. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yo, Starfire and Robin would whoop their ass. And the only way Dawn is successful, she has Donna Troy to neutralize a starfire and even then i still think robin could take dawn and hank one uh, two on one <laughs> i think donna would just be like i don't want to deal with this yeah she's like i'm gone <laughs> yeah you have to squabble about your stupid titan's tower like <laughs> i'm gonna burn it down <laughs> you and with army bitch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was hilarious but uh yeah man one of the, in, in my opinion i know we said aqualad might have been the best episode of the the show but this episode, in terms of action, this is the first time I've gotten my full action kick filled from this show. And this might have been my favorite episode. Like, it might not be the best, but I definitely think it's my favorite episode of the show so far. The theme for Shubes and his takes today is going to be endings. This episode ended strongly. Like, it was like what I was saying, where I, I checked out for a second there, like 75% into the episode. And then Dick got me right back in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do this. So, you were I mean, there just... for like 75, and then you were th- you, you checked out for like 10 or even 5, and then you were there for the remaining like uh, 15. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it just um, it hit me, like the, the ending. Like, I just really felt like it, the ending really was strong and gave us what we wanted and kind of set the tone for what we could see to come. This is like an A. Like, like I'm giving this an A. Like, 
This time this episode gets an A, which kind of elevates the weekend, in my opinion, to a B right now. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's, that's what like, I this was episode, like. This episode's an A, like 100. Like this, this was great. Like this was amazing. This was like a real superhero moment. Like this is Titans. Like this is what I've been waiting for. What you've been waiting for. What we've all been waiting for. Definitely. Um, so I, I can't. I, there's. Yeah, I think it's time. But yeah, there's nothing more I can say about it. I mean, it was. Uh, a phenomenal episode and it just keeps getting better and better for Titans. Yeah, I have no speculation until I see Connor because I think I think that was like the mid season finale if there was one. You know what I mean, Schubert? Like I feel like between we're, I we're feel going like, into we're going into episode six now. Yeah, like I think Deathstroke was the beginning of the mid season finale and I think episode six is the closer of the mid season finale, which transitioned us to the final part of the season. Okay. We're at the halfway point because I mean, there's there's six more episodes after six, so I think that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this is the ending of the beginning climax, and then we're gonna Connor's gonna transition us into the next level of storytelling. So I think we might find out Jericho if not episode six, definitely episode seven because I, I think his name is ep- I think Jericho is the name of episode seven. Yeah, I so, guess that would make sense. Like, especially if Connor ended up having some kind of tie with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we're getting most of those questions answered so there's no need for us to speculate until we see this connor episode maybe not until we see the jericho episode but i definitely i'm with you schubert like i think jason will die but if he doesn't i gave the people some suggestions and the way he doesn't but uh let's get to it man yo give joaquin phoenix the trophy now give it to him now give like no like not not tomorrow not in february give it to him today at 12.35 on a Saturday night. Give it to him now because no one's about to do better than that. That was yeah, amazing. I'll, I'll say this, and I don't, I don't think you'll agree with me. I don't think that the movie itself is an Oscar movie. Like, I really didn't feel like it was the greatest movie I ever saw. But that was one of the greatest acting performances I ever saw. See, I told my girlfriend that. I was like, I don't know if the movie wins an Oscar. But I definitely thought the movie was – I thought it was a good movie. I don't know if it was a uh, Best Picture well, winner. I, I, I think mean, it could were, be nominated. I think it definitely could be nominated, but I don't think it would deserve of, to There win. was a lot of really slow points, and it was more of like wading through the waters of some, I wouldn't say mediocrity, but just boringness, and then realizing that it all paid off at the end. See, okay, my question is, did you, you didn't watch The King of Comedy, did you? No. Man, if you'd have watched that, this movie, and, and I and I know one movie shouldn't determine if another movie's good, but it was definitely in that style of movie. And I understood what they were going for. Like, I loved in this movie. First off, let me start by this saying this off. It's a comic book movie. And let me just explain this before I explain, before we talk about the movie itself. The movie did, in terms of Joker, everybody's going to say, well, what, your comments on Birds of Prey. This movie took Brian Azzarello's comments, comic, parts of it, infused it with some real world movie making stuff in the sense of, they had the one bad day. The one thing consistent in Joker's origin throughout DC Comics is he has one bad day. And they use events from different backstories that happened to him, whether it's his mother dying, whether it's the loss of a, a, a wife, and, or whether it's a friend betrayal. They use all three of those to equal his one bad day that sends him down a madness kick. I thought that was brilliant. Like, that is who Joker is, man. And, like, the Batman stuff, like, 
everything that involved Bruce Wayne and his parents, like, Joker isn't necessarily the one who pulls the trigger on Batman's parents, but he is held responsible for starting the fire that lights the heart of the criminals in Gotham. Like, brilliant, man. Like, I love that. Like, I thought that was an interesting take on Joker, and it felt comic book. It is a comic book movie, and I'm not going to let people say that it's not because it's not 100% the Joker we've come to know, but it is 100% elements of every Joker story that's ever that's popularized, and it takes aspects of the Joker character and it make and it and it gives it its own spin on it. It's like a new writer getting on a different comic book story. But this is one hundred percent a Joker story, like one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that point completely. I was thinking the same thing watching the movie. I was like, okay, this may not be like a shot for shot comic book style. Ace chemicals, like yeah, it's not. Yeah, bad. like we're not we're not getting into like the Ace chemicals, like you know some of what people might call them were the more cheesy kind of sides to Joker. Like this is, I thought the portrayed the characterization of a Joker, of a Joker character perfectly. Like I mean, I think that by the end of the movie, what I was watching felt like the Joker to me. It not did. A me person, too. not a person that was named the Joker. Like yeah, the way I felt like I was gonna go into this movie is like it was gonna be a movie that happened to be called the Joker. Same. No, I'm with you. But at the end of this movie, I felt like I saw a movie about the Joker. Yep. No, me too. One hundred. I couldn't agree more. From the element of them explaining his fucking laugh, I thought that was fucking brilliant. And Joaquin, Joaquin, look, Joaquin has the best. Joaquin might have the best Joker laugh next to Mark fucking Hamill. Like that's how Joaquin is probably the best Joker we've seen. And I know that's hard to say to, to Heath Ledger because Heath Ledger didn't have a movie solely about him, but you can't mm, take away pretty much about him. You can't take away what Joaquin Phoenix did because they even played into the, the anarchy stuff that Joker wanted to like it even reminded me of Dark Knight Joker on how he wanted to bring Gotham City into anarchy and would they take the chance of will the the sitting citizens push the button? And in his movie, the citizens actually pushed the fucking button and started rioting. I was like, yo, this is nuts, yo. Yeah, that's where it kind of even took to the Gotham Joker as well, which, you know, I guess it really wasn't the Joker. But, I mean, the idea that the Joker spawns the madness of others and becomes a symbol. Yeah. And you know that even happened early on in the movie with his first murder. You know, he, he did. The, that started, started to become the symbol. Um, but I think, I think the stuff with the, the, the late show with De Niro, like, from, you didn't like I'm that? Not even, no, I'm not even talking about the end stuff. I'm talking about the whole progression of it. Like have this guy was his hero and how, but I don't even know if that was real. That's the part of the thing about this movie is like some of the things I don't even know if they were real. And that's what I loved about this movie. That's the King of Comedy okay. element because in the King of Comedy, uh, what is his name? What is De Niro's character's name? Rupert Pumpkin believes that everything he's doing is happening but as you go through the movie you find out that none of that fucking shit happened and i told my girlfriend at the end of this movie i was like yo did he even kill any of those people that he killed or was he in the mental institution the whole fucking time uh no i don't know about all that but see, Lyndon. But see and then when you but then when you see him walk with the footsteps of the bloody that's where it kind of confirmed to me that it happened but i'm yeah. with you a lot of the stuff you don't know if it happened, like the girlfriend stuff. Then well, the Zazie beat stuff was what got me because, like, I was really bored of all that bullshit. See, like, 
Like, me? It, it, oh, wait, like, I I love, like, you're my friend. Because I told my girlfriend, I was like, yo, I hate this Zazie Beat stuff because I do not believe that bitch would be with him. I don't exactly. believe it. And then when it, when you find out that he was imagining all of this, and then when you, when she, yo, the look of terror on her face when she was sitting in that, when he was sitting in her room after he snapped, I was like, yo, it's about to go down. Yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, this is serious. Like, I, th- I was like, I was like, oh, okay, this dude's coming into her house because I'm sure he has, like, a key or whatever because, like, it yeah, seemed like was... they were, like, boyfriend, girlfriend at that point. It seemed like she already, she already fucked him. Like, I was like, yo, how are you getting this dude's pants so fast? This isn't real. And, yeah, like, and then, like, and then when it was... could just knock up to that you don't know and just make out with? Like, what the hell? Like, is she sitting with you with your mama? Like, I don't believe none of that shit. Yeah, man, like, I was totally blown away because I was, like, because I was so upset because I felt like this movie, I was like, oh, man, this movie's not as great as I thought it was. And then when you get to the end and, like, all of what I would just watch paid off and, like, it all came together. Like, even him doing, like, a stupid dancing bullshit, I was like, what is all this? And then when it gets to at the end where he is doing, like, his dancing bullshit, I'm like, this is Joker. Like, yes! this is Joker. Like, And then, like, the thing is, every time he walked up the steps, those steps represented his sanity. He was in what and it represented his sanity and it represents. I, I also thought the rise of him rising back to, I'm not going to say heaven, but I would say at least with the uh, purgatory or at least him rising to at least meet civilization standards. And, and when it showed him as Joker walking down and, and stomping on the steps and dancing on him, that was his transition into hell, into the bottom. He was broken. And I thought that was beautiful to represent through that fucking through those stairs. Like that was beautiful. But let's talk about. We've talked about a lot of the things that happened in the movie. Let's go a little bit through it. It the movie's very long and it and yeah, that's why I don't want to like go you know beat for step beat. by step. Yeah, it's well. Let's just go a little bit uh, the major stuff. He he starts off the movie as like this clown. He has a disease or so he think like because I don't even know if he has that disease when we get to it, but he he has a disease. This uncontrollable laughter and, and he, he he finds I love the card. Yeah, he he gives everybody a card when they question his laughter. It's like. I can't control this. I'm just laughing. And you can see, even in the beginning, Joaquin's trying to cry, and he can't cry. He's laughing. Well, that, was, that was part of the deal where, like, he would, like, almost choke. And it was yeah. him trying to stop laughing. And I'm like, oh, dude, this, this is so good. Like, I'm just like, like, That's amazing, man. And so he's going through this clown stuff, and then his bad day is about to begin when these kids jump him, take his sign, beat his ass. So he, he gets over it. He's like, whatever. He goes to his house. He, 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 we see his thing, his interactions with his mom. His mom keeps telling him that Thomas Wayne's got to tell you something. Thomas Wayne's got to tell you something. Like, because Thomas Wayne should be taking care of us. If he knew we were in this life of squalor, he wouldn't like it. And, and he, Arthur's like, what the, I don't, mom, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about with Thomas Wayne. Like, the nigga don't give a damn about us. Let's watch Murray Franklin. So he, we watch the Murray show, and then boom, we start to see his delusions begin here where he, all of a sudden, we're transported into the Murray Franklin show, and it's like him believing that he's in the show, and he's putting himself there. So we see the way Arthur kind of views the world, and I thought that was a perfect way to start showing the delusions, what's real and what's not. Yeah, I mean, that was the f- for all for all the people who are watching, it was kind of confusing at first because you don't really know that this is like his insanity. You think it's such a flashback. So, I literally. Like, literally hit my girlfriend in the theater and I was like, oh, they're doing King of Comedy. And she was like, is that that De Niro movie that you watch? And I was like, yeah, that, they're, do, they're doing that. Because she didn't understand it when she came in the room when I was watching it. She was like, what's happening right now? Why are they going back and forth? Because I was like, some, some of the scenes are delusions and some of them are real. And she was like, oh, this is his delusion. And I was like, yeah, that's 
fucking dope. Like, let's get it. Yeah, I, I thought that I thought that was all really well done. Um, the build up with the people at the the clown, I guess. So, yeah, the clown temp agency. I, yeah, and when that dude gave him a gun, I was like, "Oh, bro, you're just giving, you're just putting gasoline on this small, this this tiny, tiny ember of a fire." But we're about to watch it grow. Yeah, I mean, what really started to do that, and going back to that, you know, clown temp agency was that first meeting with the boss where he's like, "You're gonna have to pay for the sign." Yeah, like, they didn't can't... believe he got jumped. <laughs> they didn't believe him that he got jumped. They like. When he when he gets when he gets caught with the gun, he, the guy's like, "Oh yeah, what's his face was telling me that you were asking him for a gun the other day." Yeah, and he like, snitched on his ass. Yeah, and, everyone but the midget was like being mean to him. Yep, everybody was being mean to him. We see that happening everywhere. Like, uh, like uh, the people in the sub, like the people in the, the subway, people on the subway yeah. at, they start laughing at him, and he's like trying to tell him, like, "No, I can't control this," but he can't say it because he's choking, and obviously he's choking. And these dudes are just douchebags. They start beating his ass, beating his ass, and what does he do? He pulls out of his, his gun because he's fed up, and he shoots him. Bow, bow, bow. The other dude runs after he got shot in the leg. He's like, "Ah, oh, help me, help me!" Joker gets up, or well, Arthur Fleck at this point gets up, walks outside. Bow, bow, bow. Shoots him. And that's when the insanity starts to begin. And I loved it because also, let me say this. The use of violence in this film was powerful because everybody thought it was about to be this gory, grotesque, uh, obscenity use of violence. And I thought the amount of violence said statements. He only killed when like, oh, he would kill whenever. But it was like when he killed, it was powerful, man. Sure. I mean, if we wanted to go in and talk about like, the different kills, like the subway kill was definitely really interesting. And it, it always happened so sudden because that's just the way these, you know, guns work. I mean, yeah. you, you fire the gun and it's that sudden, like that person's life's done. I mean, that was the case with some of the, some of the kills, like, especially and see, the death. The first one was so important because it showed him that, Oh, I don't care that I killed these people. And it's okay that I, that I did that. Also, it showed him he existed. Because not only did he, he, people started to notice because there was these rich guys that died and it sp started this whole Joker movement. But I think on a deeper level, it showed him that I can take a life. I matter. Or Everyone like, yeah, his, my actions mean something. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, the first kill was very, very important. I, I think each kill meant something, in a sense. Like... Yeah, like, I felt like the, the kill, there was the revenge kill of the... The guy who gave him the gun. Yeah, that was. But in 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 my opinion, I think it went down the path of one hundred percent self defense. The next one was revenge. The next one was vengeance, and the final one was just it. It, it was it was insane. It, like each one meant something. So yeah, he killed. He ends up the he ends up getting questioned by the police for the subway killing while his mom is because the, the police go to his mom in the hospital and the and uh, they go to his mom's house and his mom has a stroke because she's like I doesn't believe any of this she goes to the hospital the police go to him at the hospital and I'm like yo where's Jim Gordon when you fucking need him because these Gotham City cops are trash <laughs> yeah I was like where's Harvey Bullock and Jim Gordon when you fucking need him and then so the cops are questioning him and he's like no nah, I didn't do none of this like y'all don't believe me blah 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 like. I, like, I had the gun at the children's hospital because it was part of my prop. Now, I'm going to see my mom. If y'all have any more questions, y'all can talk to me later. So, bam, he's already, he's already put on notice by the cops. So, his peep, so, so his mom, no, no, before he gets the revenge kill, 
this is where he I mean, yeah. Learns, the kills came later. Yeah, he learns about Bruce Bruce Wayne being his father. So or Thomas. From, from, yeah, Thomas Wayne being his father from reading a card from that his mom wrote or reading a letter that his mom wrote to Thomas Wayne. He goes to the Wayne estates. He sees young Bruce, and boy, was this scene powerful, man. Oh and I remember gosh. when we were talking about the trailers, you were like, oh, I hope that young boy that he makes smiles is Bruce Wayne. You go look back, <laughs> look at the tapes. Anyone who's listening, go back and look at the tapes. And then it's like, oh, I hope that little boy is in Bruce Wayne. Yo, it was so powerful. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, yo, oh, my gosh. He's staring at him, and Bruce didn't like it. I love how they told that little kid just to be disgusted, kind of intrigued, but really at the bottom of your soul, you're disgusted. And it's like, yo, I can't rock with this dude. So Arthur's trying to, Arthur knows that's his brother. Well, he thinks that's his brother, and he's trying to, he's trying to console him. And what, a, what an amazing angle to make Joker the bastard son of Thomas Wayne. That's good writing, and that makes the Batman-Joker conflict even more impactful. It makes the mirror image more impactful. Like, a lot of the choices of this movie I really liked. And so he's trying to trying to make fun. He's trying to make him smile. And then was that Alfred or was that just some random? I book? Yes. Did you assume that was Alfred? Because I, 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 I didn't. I started to assume that was Alfred. But then the way the dude acted, I was like, oh, no, that's not Alfred, bro. That's See, initially, initially, I didn't think it was Alfred. And like, I just put it in my head that it must have been Alfred later. I was just like, well, I mean, I guess that was Alfred. I didn't think so. Yeah, at first, I definitely, I, I, like, I literally told my girlfriend, I was like, that's Alfred. She was like, shut up. And I was like, oh, that's fucking Alfred. <laughs> then I was like, oh, wait, no, his actions, that's not Alfred. But if it was, and whatever. Was he even British? I don't see, I don't remember. That's why I want to yeah. see this movie again. But, uh, so, yeah, so, wh whoever the butler was, Alfred, whatever, he tells him, like, yo, your mother was sick. Your delusion, you were adopted, brah. And he was like, nah, nah, nah. And then he runs away. He was like, he runs away after trying to choke Alfred to death. And <laughs> Alfred breaks free. So I thought he was going to kill him, too. Yeah, I thought he was going to kill him. But you know what stopped him? Bruce. Because Bruce looked at him and he saw Bruce make eye contact with him. He's like, I don't want to kill him in front of my brother. So boom, he leaves. He goes to the theater where Thomas Wayne is. And he goes, to, he's like, I want to talk to Thomas Wayne. And yeah, he dresses him. up as a. He dresses up as a bellhop. He sneaks in the theater. He waits for Thomas to go to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom. He's like, I'm your son. Like, I don't want any of your money. Like, I just want you to, to love me and, and take care of me. And Thomas like, I just bro, want you're an idiot. You to, like, not, you recognize that I'm a person, pretty much. Yeah, acknowledge me, pretty much. Yeah, that's all he was asking for. And Thomas Wayne was like, nah, bro. I'm not your pops. Your mom was crazy. She was committed to a mental institution. She adopted you. Like, she was delusional, and there's records of this. Like, I'm not, I don't have to tell you anymore, but you're not my fucking son. And he's like, hug me! And Thomas punches him in the face! Just, don't you touch my son. The, yeah, to the nose. Don't touch my boy, Bruce. Straight up. Straight up, T-dubs. Even though I didn't like you in this movie, but still, straight up, T-dubs. Handle up for young Brucey. Bruce didn't deserve none of this. So, uh, yeah, so Thomas punches him in the face. And at this point, Arthur Fleck is hysterical. So his first major loss is his job. He loses his job. This is his next major loss. He in his mom. Goes sort of, because I mean, she gets goes to the hospital. Yeah, she's in the hospital, and then he goes to the records office, which I thought was a 
beautiful scene with uh with what's that dude's name? Right, uh, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Yeah, what's his name on uh on uh, Atlanta? Paperboy. Yeah, it was a it was an amazing scene with Paperboy. Like I loved it. That was hilarious. He was like, bro, I'm just a clerk. Like I don't have none of these answers for you because he read the thing and he was telling him like, oh yeah, your mom was committed. Like she was crazy. And then he reads he reads like, wait, you're the kid? He's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, oh dog, I can't give you these papers. You gotta you gotta get that somewhere. Else. Because Arthur's telling him about how he had a bad day and he fucked up and he did some bad shit. And uh, he's like, nah, dog, I can't give this. So Arthur then steals it and then takes it from Brian Tyree Henry, runs down the hallway, runs down the stairs, gets clear. Which my thought process was like, if Brian Tyree Henry actually called the cops, they could have got... Like, that was my thing. Law enforcement in Gotham City sucks because they could have caught Arthur Fleck so many times. Like, when he was at his house, why didn't they ever go to his house when he was there? Like, they, it just seems like they magically went to his house at any other times, but that's just another complaint I had. But he reads the stuff. He finds out that his mom was lying to him. She has a, a bi... It, I don't know if it was bipolar disorder, but she has a bunch of dis, uh, mental diseases. And it comes to find out she adopted him. And when she adopted him, her and her boyfriend abused him. They tied him to a radiator. He, he got head injuries. And my thing, my question is to you, Schubert, the head injuries that his mom caused through the trauma, his mom and his mom's boyfriend, is, is that what gave him the laugh? That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah, okay. At least we're on the same... All right. I'm, I'm glad we were thinking the same thing. Because after he said, oh, no, I don't have a disease. But I think that was him ex accepting, like, who he is. And he's crazy. And he doesn't think he has anything. But I'm thinking that trauma gave him the laugh. So, finds out his his whole life's a lie. His mom's kind of the, respons the responsible for why he's like he is. And he goes to confront his mom. He goes to talk to... what? No, he doesn't even go to talk to his mom. Because he's like, I don't want him none of her lies. He goes to the hospital... My nigga takes the fucking pillow and straight chokes her and suffocates her. She's dead. That's the next major loss of his life. His mom at um, that point. Well, and, you know, we talked about him losing his job and another major loss that I don't know if we're getting to, uh, but the comedy career. Oh, well, that's uh, what But should we, we can explain all that with the Murray situation. Sure. Because that, that all ties together. But next, he it's it's raining. He after he killed his mom, he goes to Zazie Beat's house and he's just sitting there and he's thinking, yeah, I got my love of my life. I got the love of my life. And then when she looks at him, he realizes that all that was fake. It was a delusion in his head. And like, yo, she's like, why are you in my house, Arthur? Let me call you your mom. He's like, nah, don't call her. She, she gone. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you got to get out of here. And then he leaves and all we hear is bang and like some sirens, which insinuates he killed Zazie Beats. And I don't think he killed the daughter, but I definitely think he killed Zazie Beats. So then he's now going full joke mode, man, full joker. He starts painting his face, dyeing his hair, and then his homies from the Clown Institute come check on him. They're like, cops have been coming around, and the big dude's like, Arthur, we got to get our story straight. And the little short dude's like, Arthur, what you doing, man? You got a new job? Like, I love the little short dude. He was he was great. Well, and I mean, so he was, he, he's a testament to, like, what my mom always told me. She was like, never be mean to the guy that's a little off. Yeah, because, true. Because you never know. If he's gonna be the one that snaps, and you and he might spare you for being nice. Well, yeah, and my dad just told me never be a bully because you never know who you might need or who you might, you know, you don't know. So yeah, no, he was a testament to that. So Arthur's like he's talking to the the big guy, and the big guy says the thing about we gotta get our story straight. And Arthur's like remembering all the stuff like how he lied and he cost him his job. So now it's time for him to get revenge for the thing he lost. He lost his mom, which is in his in Zazi Beach, which were his supposed love. He lost his job, which is the other thing he loved, and now it's time to kill the dude responsible for helping him lose his job, the guy who gave him the gun. He straight up kills the big dude with a knife, 
Scissors. Stabs him in the neck. Yeah, with scissors, stabs him in the neck, then takes his head and slams it against the wall. This was the most violent. I was like, yo, he's just. It was. He slams the dude's head against the wall. And when he had the the wet, the super wet blood all over his face, and he's laughing, and I'm just like, this is it right here. Yeah, he's insane. Like, this is it. Like, this is the full transition. And then it, it showed me even more that this was the full transition because this was, I thought this was, this is something small, but it's very, very Joker. The fact that he let the little dude go, like, that is Joker. Like, I'm killing who I want to kill. You didn't do anything wrong to me. I actually like you. You're a weirdo like me. I'm not going to kill you. Go ahead about your business. But I'll joke with you about killing you, but I'm not going to kill you. You go ahead. For sure. And I, yeah. I thought that was that was a great scene. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, the little dude can't open the door. And he's like, Arthur, can you please come open the door for me? And he's like, yo, the way Joaquin did that. That was fucking amazing. Like when he went over the door and he was and he fake stabbed him. He's like, nah, get out of here, man. I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> and then, and then he like he barely opened the door for a second, and I was like, oh dude, is he gonna crush this dude in the door or something? <laughs> That's what little man had to be thinking. He was like, yo, I just gotta get out of here. <laughs> like a lot of this movie, I shouldn't have laughed at, but some of the shit was like. I think no, it I was, was like dark humor. Some of that shit too. I yeah, was like, that's what I'm saying. I was this laughing. isn't funny, but this is funny. <laughs> like, this is fucked up funny. So he kills yeah. that guy, and then boom, full Joker ensemble. And now, well, he gets his full Joker ensemble ready because he has to go on the Murray Franklin show. How did he get to the Murray Franklin show? Well, during his First delusions, delusion. yeah, during his delusions with uh, Zazie Beats, he think he goes to a comedy club. And he performs. He thinks he he he's bombing at first, but then he thinks he gathers the confidence and he succeeds in the comedy. It takes off. Comes to find out he bombs the entire time because of his condition. He's just laughing at himself and he's not saying funny jokes because he doesn't understand timing of comedy. And he because of like, like the way his brain works, he laughs at the that the non punchline parts. And so somebody recorded this and sent it into Murray Franklin. Murray Franklin made fun of him on his show. And this also kind of hurt him, which we realize when he's talking to Murray on the show, because I thought he was just playing it off like, oh yeah, Murray would like me. But in the d- bottom of his mind, he knew that Murray Franklin was making fun of him and he only wanted him on the show to make fun of him. So he's, Murray asked him to come on the show, AKA Robert De Niro. He gets dressed, he gets ready. He's on the subway getting ready to go to Murray's show. The cops show back up, of course, and they're chasing him through the subway, which I thought was a good action scene. He gets on the I subway with a bunch I of, loved it, yeah. It's a bunch of people with the Joker mask believing in his ideology of killing the rich. Like, Gotham City is taking too much from us. We're going to fight back. And all these Joker masked people are on the subway. The cops are coming through like, nah, nah, y'all can't do y'all, Move it. Move it with the cops. And then this one guy comes and tries to take the gun while they're getting closer to Joker. And he ends up getting shot. And when that dude gets shot, the cop's like, oh, no, he lets go of the gun. And then all the people start attacking both the cops. They start beating them up, putting them in critical condition. Those cops go in the hospital. Joker escapes scot-free. And it just shows how he affected the society. And slowly and slowly, he's starting to realize that he's more powerful. as Like, he's a symbol. He's not, he's an idea. He's starting to see that more and more. This is the beginning of him seeing that. Like, he saw it a little bit when he killed the subway people at first. But now he's starting to see it more and more. He gets to Murray Franklin. And this was amazing. His entrance, I thought, was this reminded me of you. Did you see the animated show, The Dark Knight Returns, Schubert? The animated show, The Dark. Knight the animated Returns? movie. The, the animated movie. I don't, the Dark I don't remember. It's, it's two parts. Well, in the in the movie, like. Oh this, yeah, 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 yeah. You know where Joker goes on TV? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the straight straight up 
damn near the same thing. He's on the screen, and, and Murray's like, ex- asking him to explain jokes, and then Joker's telling his joke, and all of a sudden he talks about how he killed those people on the subway, and him and Murray get in an argument, and he and he's explaining. I'm doing a bad job of saying what he said because it was some powerful stuff, and this was like the crux yep. of the movie. Like everything he said was important, and he basically tells Murray like, "I understand that." you people are laughing at me. Society's not the same. We're evil people. And like, we don't have kindness in society. Yeah. We we care so much about these three men who died, but if it was me, you guys would just walk across my corpse and not say laugh at me. Yeah. Y'all wouldn't care. And that's how y'all treat the lower rank of society. And Murray's like, nah, bro, we don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. He was like, yeah, you do Murray. You only invited me on this show just to laugh at me and, and everything. He was like, well, I think it's time for you to go. And he's like, no, I think it's time for you to go Murray. Bang! Shoots him in the head on live television. Then everybody starts running. Ah! He shoots him twice again. Then Joe, he's fully the Joker at this point, walks up to the camera, pulls the Heath Ledger, pulls the classic Joker, and any Joker thing, he gets in the camera and he starts telling him, like, I am... Uh, he, so he gives him his soliloquy, and then I was like, oh, I'm surprised live TV ain't cut him off yet. Then, beep! They cut, they cut his ass off. And you then can, you, you... See, Oh, you see ahead. what happens later when you get to those, the, when it pans out to all the screens and it shows yeah. like, him getting tackled and all that. It shows all the screens how he's taking over all the news. It's showing all this stuff that happened on TV. It's taking the, the city by storm. He gets in the cop car and then a beautiful scene. I thought they gave an homage to Heath Ledger's Joker by having him not out the window, but his head on the window of the cop car as they're strolling. It's like the damn near the same shot as the Heath Ledger shot, but instead of him hanging out the window, his head's on the window and people are seeing him. And then all of a sudden this ambulance hits it, which I think they did it on purpose. They hit the they hit the car. Yeah, they did. It was the it was a clown guy. Yeah, just to get up to break him free. The clown people take him out of the car. They put him on top of the uh, hood, and basically he he gets healthy. He like or he 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 recovers, and he sees all the stuff that they're doing. They're rioting. They're looting, and he sees the impact he had on Gotham City. Meanwhile. Uh, and I don't know why Thomas Wayne took his family out to a movie on this night. I knew when I saw that Zorro thing, I was like, oh, they about to die. <laughs> sure, like, yeah. Later, later, Thomas and Martha, they go down the alley, and my girlfriend's like, what you mean they about to die? I was like, what you mean, what you mean they about to die? This is the, this is the scene. This is the, this is the moment. She's like, what you mean? I was like, just watch. And then so. so I, I did like it as an overall in the overall spectrum of the movie. What I didn't like about that is the conversations that it's going to bring up. What? Oh, well, if this Joker spawned this, uh, the Batman thing, then maybe this is going to play into the Matt Reeves, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and no, like, no, it's no. not like, not at all. Well, I mean, like, this... you and I know this. I'm just saying, like, you know, the general audience person that's going to see this and be like, oh, this is like, going to be the Batman, right? You, you're actually right. That's like Complex gave this a bad review because they said this was a bad prequel to some movie that's come. I was like, Complex, y'all don't even know what the fuck y'all are talking about. A, this isn't a prequel. This is a standalone movie just explaining a different character, like explaining the Joker idea, but in a whole different take. You can't judge it like that. And I like the review they gave was just bullshit. So I, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, so the moment with Bruce Wayne's parents happen, he dies. Uh, Thomas and Martha die. Bruce is there standing over their corpse. Joker is now fully Joker. All the people are gathered around him. He takes the blood from inside the, of his lips did, and he I, puts a I'm smile on his face. I, I'm pretty sure the guy who did the killing of Thomas and Martha was someone that he encountered earlier. Maybe. I could believe it. Yeah, like I want to say it was someone that he encountered in that old ambulance thing 
or it was someone he encountered on the train. It was one of those because I rem- I recognized them right off the bat. Word, well, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. And then and they said all like they said one of the choices for that final scene where Joaquin puts the blood on his lips and makes the smile. They said he was gonna. They wanted to pay another homage to Heath Ledger, and he was gonna take knives and cut his lips. But they thought that would have been too graphic, and they wanted to not really. They thought they paid homage beautifully to Heath in the uh. In the the cop car, they didn't want to take too much of Heath's Joker, so they did the blood, which I thought the blood was a beautiful choice. Like I, I thought the blood actually, was better. Yeah, I, mean, I actually like them. I actually like them doing the blood, and then instead of them doing the knives thing, I thought that worked more, and I thought that was very more Joker esque, quote unquote. So he gets arrested. He gets sent to Arkham Asylum. He's talking to the people, and uh, he's talking to some psychiatrist in Arkham, and then boom. She fucking well. He he walks out the room and we see blood on her sh- on under his shoes. Assuming that he killed him, he gets it in the hall, does his Joker dance, and is running around Arkham Asylum, insinuating that Joker's still alive. Even though we will not get a sequel from this movie, this is it. Nothing more, nothing less. And we we didn't say a lot of the stuff that happened in the movie because there's a lot more. Like a lot of the dialogue that happens between Murray Franklin and Joker, Joker and his mom, the Thomas Wayne Joker conversation. Uh, the Joker Zazie Beats moments, the Joker in the Clown Guys moment, all those moments have dialogue in there that's essential to him becoming Joker. But each one was a step of him losing his humanity and his sanity. And then at the end of the killing that he did of the Clown Guy, he's 100% Joker. Everything's gone from him. Yeah, and as you said, it's kind of like the idea of one really one bad, bad day. day, man. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I'll admit, like. Like I said, like, I don't think it's a movie that is the greatest movie I've ever seen or something like that. I think it was really well put together, especially for the ending. Like, it's one of these things where I'm looking back and try- thinking about the rewatch. And, like, of course, now that I know that with how everything's coming, I'll probably be able to get through that first half better. And I but think the watching, watching it, it, the, watching it the first time, I was like, I was like, what is this? What is this? Like, what is this? And then you get <laughs> to the end, and you're like, Oh, oh this is, this is. that's why I think a second viewing, you're going to see more of like things of seeing him going down that madness rabbit hole. That's why I want to see it again, because I think it's going to be like an onion. We're going to pull back layers each time we watch this. But like I said, give Joaquin the Phoenix the trophy right now. That was an amazing, amazing performance. Best actor for sure. Does the movie get nominated for best picture? It could. But- I think it will be. Yeah, I think I it will be, but I don't, I don't, I don't think I mean, it will be. Ten, yeah. ten, ten movies usually get nominated so that's what i'm saying i think it should get nominated does it win i don't know but is this a good movie yeah what would you rank it schubert out of eight i mean out of ten out of ten so you're probably gonna put it at eight i was actually gonna probably put it at around like an eight three yeah I'm, I, I i gave away where i'm putting it i'm putting it like eight five eight but eight five eight seven maybe even eight nine like i, I just want to watch it you know nah, i'm putting it at eight nine like eight nine nine i need to watch it again because it might get in the higher nines but like Oh man, this is one of the best comic book movies of all time. Does it? And one of uh, shout out to Above the Beyond. He asked me, "Would this crack my top ten comic book movies?" Yeah, it does. It might crack my top five. Like to be honest, it might. Like I gotta watch it again. I think it's too early to say. But this movie was amazing, man. This might be the best comic book portrayal ever. Like Joaquin did his thing, bro. Like that was amazing. DC. Yeah. See, see again, and it comes reflects with my rating is like. Did I love the movie or did I love the portrayal of the Joker more? I, I don't really know if this is a movie that I want to revisit from time time and time because I mean it really because it, it is sad and it, like it isn't your essential you know not essential but like your cookie cutter comic book thing which I mean is a good thing 
But I mean, at the end of the day, when I'm thinking of like my favorite comic book movies, I'm gonna think about the ones that made me feel like the comic book. Uh, mm-hmm. Where this was more of like a movie that did an amazing job in characterization, building up a character, especially a character that I already knew, and I want convinced read- me that it was that character. When we do our next top five or top ten comic movies, whenever we do it, I want you to read the Joker comic by Brian Zarello before we have this next conversation. Because I think if you read that, you might feel a different way about Joker. That's why I got to give it an 8.99 because, like, this was a great movie instance of a comic book movie. Joker was great. Was the movie executed well? I thought there were some things they could have did better. That's why I don't know if I can put it in the nine, t- between nine and 10, but it's like 8.99 for me. Like this movie was really good. And I'm giving this another A at the, at the movie theaters. And so DC's finishing with an A minus for me for the weekend. Like this was, this was amazing, bro. Like I thought DC smashed it out of the park. And this just makes me want to see other, maybe not. Like I think the way this movie was done, I think they could definitely pull off a Lex Luthor movie like this. Like one. Hundred percent, like the the billionaire who has this god complex, and we see him go through like this god complex of wanting to kill Superman. Yo, that would be amazing. I mean, I think what really put this in its own way was that it really didn't have much to do with Batman besides the Bruce Wayne stuff. And I mean, I true. feel like they they did that really well. Like. If you were going to do the Lex Luthor thing like you're saying, I would be more interested in Lex just having this idea of he's already got this God complex and think that he needs to save humans. So, like, it would be something where he needs, he feels like he needs to save humans and almost near the end is when kind of you get the Superman figure and he realizes realizes that, like, they don't need him and he has to deal with that. And the ending is him becoming Lex Luthor. I'm, no, I'm 100% with you. And we don't ever have to see Superman. We don't. No. We could just see something flying. We could just see like a, a fast-speeding bullet flying across news, the sky. A news story. Yeah. No, Schubert, you're, you just pitched what I was thinking. Like, see his actions before Superman takes the scene. And then, like, have a meteor come in. And Lex is trying to figure some way to stop it. And then, boom. All we see is, like, something smash through it. And Lex is like, what the fuck? And then, like, we have this, like, you have that moment where it's like, yo, I'm not the most important human anymore. And, like, we see that God complex happen. Like, that would be great, man. But Yeah, then- like, a really important scene for that would probably be, like, Lex at a podium, and then, like, something happens with Superman, and then everyone leaves him, you know? Yeah. And he's just standing at the podium by himself. Or, or, or even more impactful, like, not just leaves him, like, he's talking about his thing, and then all of a sudden, like, everybody phones pings, and then all the questions start coming in. Did you hear about, did you hear about Superman? Did you hear about Superman? And he's like... And then, like, he's, like, he's, he's getting stunned because he's, like, I don't want to, I don't know what I want to say. And then, like, Mercy comes in, no further questions. And then Lex, like, Lex is perplexed. Like, everybody's trying to question, talk about Superman instead of what he's doing. Like, I think that would be a- another interesting way you could do that scene. Like, that, like, there's very few villains you could do a movie like this with. DC, in my opinion, has the only two that would work. Joker and Lex Luthor. Like, I don't see any villain that, I don't think Marvel could do this. Well, yeah, I think it's really hard to do villains without the essential Piro. Yeah, um, even which was, a, which was, was what a lot of people, which is what we, a lot of people were worried about with Joker. Like, this shit, was, I worried about it. Like me. But I think that they did a really good job in making him, and they did in, in a way tie it to Batman. But yeah, the way that they tied it into Batman was, you know, really powerful. And that's my thing. Like, they didn't trample on the idea of a. They didn't trample on DC fans when I said that, like, like yo, if this wasn't going to tie into the comics, like, 
I would be upset. And me and you both went in with that mentality, and they actually didn't trample on the comics. They actually embraced the comics, but they embraced a different side of the comics. They didn't embrace the clear front picture, like the flamboyantness of what we see on the outside of comic books. They actually deep dives into which makes these characters these characters, and they gave us a, a character study to the highest degree. Definitely. I think, at the, yeah, like I've been saying over and over, this movie to me more felt like uh, a, a characterization on a take of the Joker than a movie. Like, it just almost felt like, hey, have you ever wanted to see what a, what the build up for the Joker would have been like? This, this is what it was. And it, like, just oh, felt, cool. it, it felt like <laughs> it felt like Taxi Driver did the fusion dance with King of Comedy. And you and they like and you threw in a sprinkle uh, in the last minute, like they threw in like a DC comic book while the fusion dance was happening. And like, this is what came out like that. That's like what I think of because this movie took the best parts of some of the best Scorsese flicks of all time. And they embraced some of the comic book elements and they made a damn good film, like 100 percent. This movie was amazing. Well, I think that kind of wraps things up for our big week of DC. And, DC got um, an A minus, man, for the weekend. Birds of Prey is the only reason why I didn't get an A plus. And uh, another big thing going on for DC this weekend is Batwoman opens up. Yes, neither one of us are excited <laughs> for that, but it is opening <laughs> they got up. Hush in that. Like, why is hushing that? I guess they have to take some Batman villains and give it to Katie King. I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> no, I'm not watching it either. <laughs> I don't, I I'm not really. I'm not really that interested in watching that Crisis of Infinite Earth thing. No. I'm trying to do either. Yo, I'm just like, like. I'm just like. Okay, let's bring in all the old Supermans just so we can make us feel special. Like, and then they brought in my boy. They gave my boy. Uh, what's my dude's name? I'm. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm forgetting. Brandon name. Ralph. No, fuck Brandon Ralph. I'm not talking about Brandon Tom, Ralph. I'm talking Tom about Tom Welling. Uh, no, fuck Tom Welling too. <laughs> what is Batman? Mark Hamill and uh. Kevin Conroy, thank you. Yeah. They got Kevin Conroy come and play Bruce Wayne and Batman in it. That, that's the only thing that might get me to watch it. I mean, it's going to be one <laughs> of those things tell where me I'll about just wait Brandon until... Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait until fucking Adam all those... <laughs> I'm going to wait until all the seasons come on Netflix and just watch that. That's what I did with the last thing that they did, the last team up. No, the last I just didn't want to watch all was... that. I went to the CW uh, website and I just watched all the team up episodes. <laughs> I didn't watch. That's what I'm saying. Episodes. Like when on Netflix or whatever, I just watched all the team up episodes. I think I'm gonna do the same because I, I will want to watch Crisis on Infinite or just to see how they do it because like they're bringing everybody in there, so I might as well see it. Like I'm telling you, Kevin Conroy's what got me, and don't let them say Mark Hamill's gonna make an appearance next because they're just telling telling different people who's gonna make an appearance, and then Michael Rosenbaum's like. CW is just calling all their actors and like, yo, yeah, make an appearance, but he's not getting paid or anything. He's like, I'm not showing up if I'm not getting paid. <laughs> D- CW is like, yeah, do it, do, do it for the for the uh, for the for the general principle. Do it for the for the love. For the love. I mean, this yeah. is pretty much this is pretty much like their last ditch effort with all this DC stuff. So they're like, hey, let's just like you know, we have I mean, we I have fun know. with this, guys. This is their last like major ditch effort. I think they're gonna they're going to their female slate now with. Because Birds of Prey is coming out, Batwoman, Supergirl is going to stay. I bet Flash in soon, and like it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, like, I think a, it's just going to be Supergirl and Batwoman probably. In Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey series. Wait, did you not hear? They're bringing that show back. No, they're they're doing a new one with Katie Cassidy, Ju- Julia Harkonova, and the the new Huntress in Arrow right now. Well, shoot, man, you know I didn't hear about that because it would have been in the notes. 
Yeah, and I, I know you didn't hear about it, but like I didn't want to put it in the notes because it's CW and we're not watching that shit. I'm gonna watch D. I'm not promoting DC TV unless it's DC Universe because that's actual good DC TV. Like, and that's not me shitting on Arrow and all that because I used to watch Arrow. I loved Arrow. I liked Flash for a little bit, but those shows got cheesy and tropey and soap opery, and I just couldn't deal with it anymore, man. Yeah, I mean the thing is with the CW is that, and this was coming in where I'm trying to explain Titans to people who don't understand DC where like I think CW is trying to tap into an audience where it was like oh, I can get the fans but I can also get the general audience where like DC streaming trying to get the DC streaming yeah and DC streaming is like specifically fans like that's what makes these shows so compelling is that they don't have to worry about wading through the waters of explanation they're just like okay well you, you, you get the gist you know what's going on here's, here's the story exactly that's why I'm digging it but that's all I really got this week, Shooty. Yeah, so two let's hours wrap... is long enough for. Yeah, for sure. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, I hope you know everyone goes out and watches some of the new pilots. Go make sure you check out Joker. Um, so there's a lot of great content on out there. It's, it's a great time right now when we're getting ready for, and almost a month away now, Disney Plus coming. So make make sure you go and explore all the content that's out there. And especially on the Bros Who Think Network. Lyndon, tell yeah. people what's going on. We got the latest episode of the BWT podcast out right now. We interviewed loyalty clothing brand and label owner Blizzy. That's a dope show. We also did a lot of other stuff on that podcast. Be sure to check that out. The latest episode of Anime Talk is out. The episode of LSU, the preview for LSU versus Utah State from Primetime's out. But the thing, the thing that I got to let you guys know, if you are an anime fan and you live in Lafayette, shit, if you want to come to Lafayette for the day, October 19th, if you're a fan of Hashtag Anime Talk, we're doing our first live podcast. Yes, our first live podcast event ever is going to be on October 19th at the Cajun Dome Convention Center. Get your tickets today at avcanimefest.com. Ticketmaster.com or come in Lafayette to go to the Cajun Dome Convention Center box office. Yes, if you're out of town, come on in, man. We're going to be hanging out all day. We're going to show you guys a good time. The panel's from 12 to 1. Get your tickets today because me and Chris have got a lot of good stuff planned for you guys. Again, get your tickets today at Ticketmaster.com, AVCAnimeFest.com, or at the Cajun Dome Convention Center box office for AVC Anime Fest, October 19th. Come see the Anime Talk Boys live. But that's all I got this week, Schubert. You can find me at LynnBWTN at FatherBrosNick at BrosWhoThink on Twitter. Yeah. You can follow me at Schubert14 on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you keep up with everything going on with the Bros Who Think Network. And uh, keep on keep listening to the bro, to the Bros Who Binge. I mean, we enjoy doing yeah. this. This was a, definitely a big week for us because we're Thank always you to all excited the fans, to, man. to have a place to talk about this DC stuff, you know? It seemed like we got some new listeners. Thank you to all the new listeners. Thank you to all the old listeners. Thank you if you only listen once. Thank you if you listen every week. However many times you've ever listened to us. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it because without you guys, we couldn't do this stuff. So thank you. Thank you for all the support. And reach out. Let us know what you want us to talk about. What you think yeah, would be for interesting. Um, if you want us to start getting into reviewing older movies like some stuff that there's Request. definitely movies out there that i haven't seen that you know would be interesting. you think you know the best comic book movie and me and schubert haven't mentioned it and seem like we haven't seen it let us know if you have a movie that's the like, crow you, 
yo, we they have this they have this crime movie that I think you guys would like. Tell us, we'll watch it, we'll review it. If there's this TV series that you want us to watch that we have never talked about, we'll review it week to week. If if the fans request it, we will make tailor the show to the fans. So just let us know on Twitter or at www.brosyouthink.com. All right. Well, I hope everyone out there has a great weekend. And come and listen to us next week on the Bros Who Binge. And as always, keep binging.